Wednesday night, Generational Change. I'm Jen. I'm Peter. And we just had a very productive conversation with Osiris of Stuck in the Middle. So for those of you who are familiar with the Stuck in the Middle podcast, maybe you're not. Uh, if you're not, check it out. Definitely check it out. And uh, hopefully you'll find our conversation over there entertaining. I believe some of them did. Uh, <laughs> so we do have a interesting show tonight. Uh, we did obviously get into the conversation at length over on his channel. But of course, the big story, one of the big stories um, that, of course, is never going to get the proper attention that it should, is the fact that the Democrats have decided that they are not even going to bring the ban stock trading by Congress bill to the floor. Although Osiris did make a really good point that the loophole in that, even if they were to bring that to the floor, is big enough to like that they could all fit through. So so, okay, so on the one hand, they're not bringing it to the floor, but on the other hand, even if they did, it wouldn't have any real teeth. Yeah. So it's just sort of pathetic all around. How's that? It's, well, again, <laughs> do, do we really give a damn about working people in the United States? And the answer is universally no, no, we don't. And of course, when you have these types of circumstances where, you know, you're kind of looking at this from the perspective of, we really don't have a republic anymore. It's just kind of disintegrated into this full-fledged oligarchy and those that have the ways and means get to control everything. Those of us that don't are not able to do anything about it. When they're rubbing it in your face like this, it's pretty damn bad. And so, you know, the way I see it, and then I think the way you see it is the more that it's put out in the open so blatantly, so deliberately, is how we're ultimately going to get the major change in this country that we need because people need to. Use yeah, that. like, well, hubris will ultimately be what kills them. It's sort of what always comes for the very, very elite is that they can't build their moats wide enough. But when you see somebody like Nancy Pelosi being booed, which, by the way, if anybody, if you're new, I believe that anybody who is a representative in any branch of government quite honestly, and they act against the interest of the majority of people that they should not get a moment's peace anywhere they go in public. Oh, those are dangerous words you're saying. No, I'm saying. talking nonviolent. But like if somebody wants to walk in behind Kristen Cinema into the bathroom while she's in the stall and talk to her because she refuses to hold office hours and speak to her constituents, then they should do that. I think that if you want to disrupt somebody like Ted Cruz's dinner, have at it. Um, I think that people I don't know why need, people think it's so controversial. No, because they're worried about decorum. We're so far past that, people. We are so far past that. When everybody has their basic needs met, then I'll be happy to discuss about decorum. And of course, when you're speaking about decorum, knowing that that was such a major issue, well, Senator McConnell came out and talked about how much he absolutely loves Senator Cinema. Now she's such a great Democrat. That's wonderful. Thing. Listen, if Senator McConnell is talking about how great you are, it also means what a failure you are. <laughs> well, Because the only thing that makes McConnell... The question is, does he ultimately bite you on the neck and make you immortal? No! Because you don't want to you don't want to be like Mitch McConnell. So. No, you definitely don't. So if Mitch McConnell was saying that you're doing good politically, it means you are doing not bad politically. You are horrifically bad. Well, it's, it's like... Just not a good compliment. You got to know the source. I can remember years ago when McConnell was, this was back in like 08, 09, and I can remember him crying because I think like some GOP or who's terrible was retiring. I can't tell you how much I love working with I this I just man. can't believe that he, he can produce tears. He's not human. 
Well, that's why I'm so shocked he could produce tears. What would you call him? You know, you're like he's immortal. Yeah, he's immortal. He's I like guess. a crypt keeper. He is the crypt. Oh, I am the crypt keeper. <laughs> he is the crypt. He is crypt keeper. He's just terrible. I mean, he really is. But of course, Senator Cinema is thinking about her long term financial opportunities, and if she aligns herself with Mitch McConnell, she's definitely going to have him. And a curtsy vote down. You know, remember that's one thing that I always remember was that when she was going to make that down vote about the fifteen dollars minimum wage. Uh, you know, what was so amusing about that was the fact that. She made a V-line to McConnell to tap him and say hi when she was walking over to make the vote. Imagine having penis envy for Mitch McConnell, Ugh. of all people. I just don't even want to hear that word in relation uh, to Mitch McConnell. Well, sorry. That's just gross. Uh, yeah, no, no, terrible. So terrible, gross. terrible as it may be. But that, unfortunately, is the state of our politics as it stands today. We will talk at even more length regarding the current circumstances regarding you know, unfortunately, what is not going to turn into a vote on the floor, even though it should. One of the biggest reasons, of course, is our Congresswoman, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, was going to be a no vote on that. And everybody knows that. She's a consistent insider trader, uh, <laughs> has violated the Stock Act more times than one can count. If you're not following Unusual Whales on Twitter, uh, that yeah. is an excellent account. We'll tell you exactly what all of these nefarious representatives are up to, especially ours. And so <clears throat> making sure that we, I know it's a, it's a, I know, but it's, it's, you're scaring you a little bit. I don't, I don't like, like you flinging the, flinging the pen, pen around. around. Well, no, I would not do that. And I would never hurt you with a pen. So I promise. You, you would do just that. do it with your hands. <laughs> oh, I can't do it. My hands are not strong enough. It's so gross. They'll fall off. They'll yeah. break off. Yeah. You have to think at this point, he's like skin and bones. That's, no, he's just. Oh, he's so gross. All right. If, you're, if you want to convince me that there's any political representative that drinks blood in order to stay young or stay alive for that matter, yeah. Mitch McConnell would be number one on that list. Oh. Like he strikes me as somebody who will drink he's blood. so gross. He's the grim reaper. Oh, he drinks souls. He's, he drinks your soul, right? Is that, is that what he's just so gross. Yeah, he's gross. He's unfortunately one of the dying members of our horrific political establishment. But then again, we could always get a new political establishment that's really, really terrible. And so, of course, what is one of the things that we really emphasize a lot on our channel is transforming politics into service. And who better serves the community than small businesses? We are huge emphasis on small business. That is what we do. That is what we all should be doing. And that has nothing to do with politics, quite frankly. It's a completely nonpartisan issue. Everyone, I would imagine, is in agreement that it is better to shop small and buy local than it is to buy big or shop in retail or big box stores. Yeah, sometimes, it's getting harder and harder. Sometimes you don't have a choice. But when you do have a choice, it always pays to support the local business. And why would why is supporting small business a good thing? Well, that's how you keep the diversity in your communities going. And you can have all different kinds of businesses and not all the same thing. And it just keeps everybody, you know, everybody doing their own thing. Why would I and why would I want everything to be made in China at Walmart? Totally what it made in China. It's really, well, no, that's terrible. You don't want it made in China. That's one thing you say about Trump. He's that he's, China. even though he makes his own stuff in China. But you guys, know. seriously, a really good drinking game it, when he was doing the debates was every time he said China, I had to smoke a bowl and our every guests time had to take Joe, a drink. And every time Joe said, come on, man. Come on, man. Yeah. Here are the facts, Jack. So bad. But the good news is, is that we have, China. and we are putting an even greater emphasis with our show. As you guys know, we recently had our very first small business uh, sponsor. 
Maybe that's the best way to describe it. It's, it's a Patreon. It's on Patreon, which is, you know, guys, anywhere from $5 a month uh, is very appreciated. But we would like to have small business sponsors and we will only take on any one type of business. Like we, we're not going to like have businesses competing here. So our that very first small business sponsor. A very important small business, we must say, at this current time, considering Hurricane Ian is blasting through the southwest coast of Florida Seriously, right now. People. Fort Myers is probably going to look a little bit like Homestead when it's all said and done, as sad as that is to say. So why are we mentioning that? Well, Apex Insurance Agency, which deals with home insurance as well as auto and life, very, very important. They are an official sponsor of our show now, and they are a small operation based out of Delray Beach. So if you're looking for home protection, and Lord knows a lot of people are going to need it right now, this is definitely a company yeah. that you're going to want to check out. Keep it local. That's keeping it local. And of course, when we talk about other things regarding small business, we now have a wonderful guest who is about to join us on our show, who knows a thing or two about the beauty industry. And Lord knows I look to look my, I like to look my finest before I come on the show. She's going mean, to judge my lashes. That's okay. She's well, going to judge my she'll lashes. She'll fix them for No, I'm not, because right. I do not want, no. No, and she'll even tell you the truth. If you don't wear makeup regularly, it's not necessarily worth it to do it. I don't wear makeup enough that it's Well, we can't all have the natural glow that you have, Jen. Oh, yeah, that's what it is. Yes, it is absolutely par for the course. But of course, she is the uh, owner and operator of Lashley Brow. Oh, God, I want to say this wrong. Uh, uh, Lashley. This is so like not my territory because I'm not that I'm not, I'm not she really does a beauty lashes guy. and they do brows and I know that they do but now brows I can get into but I'm not messing with lash extensions. Lashley brows. Okay, so we're gonna get it right uh, and she's gonna tell us all about her wonderful studio which is located here in Broward County in Wilton Manors, one of the very fun communities here in South Florida and of course a town that has a wonderful candy shop that you always like yeah, to rave about. I do. Ashley Santiago, welcome to Generational Change. Hi, that was an amazing introduction, even though you got it a little little wrong. But last right. day, well, if I said it wrong, then you got to correct me. There's nothing wrong with that. We want to get it right. Yeah. So what is the official name of the place? So it's Lashley Browse Beauty. Lashley Browse Beauty. Browse okay. Beauty. You almost had it. You almost had it. That was good, though. Yeah, I, I, well, I tried my best, but you are certainly one who understands quite a bit about beauty. You are a lovely lady in your own right. So please yeah. tell our audience a little bit about your business, how you got it started, what brought you to Broward if you're from here. Obviously, all those goodies, please. Just talk about what, you, what you're doing and what's kind of, you know, what you're offering and promote, promote your business. Absolutely. Well, basically, I am located in Wilton Manors. Um, so a little background story of me, I actually started out of my mom's spare bedroom doing lashes when COVID started to hit. So I kind of just started to build my own clientele and basically four months later, I got my own studio still during COVID times. And I just started to grow and expand and basically take new courses and really educate myself in the business and the beauty industry as well. And after I got my studio, I was located in Sunrise, so still in Broward. And I kind of just decided to go to Oakland Park because I feel like it's up and coming. It's close to Fort Lauderdale, so you kind of get a little bit of movement there more than anywhere else. 
And so a year later after my studio, I just kind of decided to make that huge jump and just trust the universe, trust, you know, myself to just kind of make it work. And it's been going great so far. I've been there for about like six months now. So. And so you're in Oakland Park. Yes. Oakland Which Park. is the up and coming next to Wilton Manors. And it's actually a really smart place, I think, to get in because Never underestimate the power of the gaze when you're talking about anything having to do with what you're talking about. Like seriously good. That's a really good place to, to be located. And there are definitely a lot of innovations. You and I talked about this. I'm not a lash extension person. I know. I'm trying to make you a lash extension. No, no, but explain it because really it's not for someone like me that only wears mascara like a couple times a week. It isn't worth it for me to do that maintenance, but it is worth it potentially for people that are doing it every day. Right. Absolutely. So a little bit about the shop. So right now we currently offer lash extensions. We do brows. We do permanent makeup. Um, we do makeup for special occasions as well. But a little bit about the lashes. So I know that you were concerned about you don't wear a lot of makeup. So you don't want anything too heavy to empower, you know, your face, which that's totally fine. And that's the great thing I feel like about my business that I always take consideration you're, you know, you're like, you're not unsure about. So for you, I will kind of do a look that has kind of like a mascara look. So you don't even have to put apply mascara, but it still will look natural. So it's not going to look too crazy. In some cases, some artists just have, you know, there's certain appeal, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be too, too much for you. So I really think that you just need to trust me. No, it isn't about trusting what it would even look like. I'm sure it would look really good. I just don't want the maintenance and the upkeep of extensions. Yes. And that's, that's the problem. It's how much time am I willing to dedicate to go deal with it? And I don't, like I keep all of, I keep personal grooming maintenance to a minimum. And here's the thing. When you get older, you're going to need more maintenance. Okay. So as you get older, that time increases. So what maybe, you know, you don't spend a lot of time. For me, it's like an ordeal, right? Like there's a lot of added elements. And when you get to my age, you'll see, you'll understand that the time that you have to spend doing it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. I know it's it's a luxury service. It definitely is a luxury to have because it's not a necessity, but if you are just trying to look good all the time and not have to spend mascara and driving while putting mascara on. Okay, never do that. Never, oh, ever, I ever do that. Have you not seen that you can get it in your eye? Ouch. Good God, do not hold pointy things towards your eye. Even in a parked car, don't be stupid. You can get rear-ended and you'll end up with a poker in the eye. Yeah, but I'm going to get you there slowly but surely. <laughs> Surely, but surely, maybe for your birthday. I'm telling you, I'm really good at convincing. And All I'm right, well, we'll we'll talk about it, but I'll definitely let you guys do my makeup the next time I have headshots done or something like that. For what sure. About what about you, Peter? He definitely could use his eyebrows being tamed. He definitely yeah. needs his eyebrows. Oh, no, they're wily. He'll have one like that just stick out like this. It's okay. Oh, I am your girl. I am See? your girl. Are you ready? Boys think that it like oh, think it's like a girl thing. No, I didn't say that. I I, I think that my eyebrows are definitely kind of out of place every once in a while. They could use a little effort. Be, they yeah, could use kinda, a little. Well, I, I I've got like the worst cowlick, so my You've hair got, I know, like, I feel like, like a certain way. So uh, I couldn't I, be perfect, you know. 
So it's unfortunate. This is someone who uses a rose quartz roller on his face when he does his weekly facial. The hell was wrong with that? Nothing's wrong with it, but if you're willing to do that, you could groom your eyebrows. Listen, it's an upkeep. And we also do facials too. So listen, we'll take we'll take men, women, whoever come come on by. All right. Absolutely. The shop. You guys should definitely come on by. I will. You know what? I will come by because I do need to get my eyebrows dealt with at some point in the near future. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Where are you, you, guys? Do. you guys are in Fort Lauderdale, right? No, I'm in plantation. Yeah, plantation. I like plantation too. I I have to be out here. It's where my kid goes to school in Weston. Like this is as far West as I have. Like I have, I can't be any further East really. Well, it's a lot more quiet from the hustle and bustle that is, uh, you know, it definitely makes a a big difference between what you're going to find in the Fort Lauderdale area versus what you find in the West end of the County. But I think that being able to take care of yourself is important. Um, well, I, and let me let me ask you this though: How do you find being? You know, you ran your small business during COVID. How do you find that being in some place like Florida, where we've got obviously really high overhead? Like it can't be easy, and you're you're dealing with an industry for you where it's got to be volume. Honestly, I I feel like COVID helped me just get out of my comfort zone. So I feel as if you know, when life throws you a difficult thing, you just have to look at the positive thing and just keep going because a lot of people got destroyed in COVID. I excelled during COVID. So I really think, you know, it's about, for me personally, I know that I'm in the service industry, so you have to constantly um, see people, but it's quality over quantity for me. And I feel like that is really what stands me out from being a small business because I feel like, being a small business, you think that, okay, I want more quantity, I want more people. But once you realize that it's about the community and building bonds, like how I met you guys, really got bond with you guys and really connecting, that's really what stands me out. And that's why I'm here doing my business and basically just trying to keep growing. You know, that's really what it's about for me. Yeah. And I, I would love people to support businesses like yours. Guys, support the small businesses. I will admit that I do Euro wax, but in all fairness to me, I started Euro wax when it was one business at Amatura and it was the brothers that owned it. But, but yeah, but I, but I do like to get my brows done by small places like, like you guys. So it's important to support that and not just do like the big businesses. Yeah. I think it definitely makes a big difference when you are able to get out in the community and meet people. How do you find, you know, building the business, it, you know, you can be very effective using social media. I, I obviously uh, follow what you do on Instagram and I'm sure that there's uh, a lot of other tricks of the trade that you do <laughs> to try to, you know, get people into the shop. Uh, how do you find that it's been most effective for you, whether it is through social media, whether it is through getting out to these networking events, how do you find that that's working for you in terms of the effectiveness of building it? I, I mean, I kind of have to go back to what I said originally. It's really about building connection. Even if you're through social media, even if you're in person, it's about just not even selling yourself, but just being yourself and having people really fall in love with what you do and your passion, because I have a passion. So I feel like I have so much love for this industry that people that want to support me would just follow me. And I just kind of trust that in me that you know, you just have to keep doing what you love. And I feel like that portrays a lot in social media as well. So I'm very, I'm, I'm very big on social media. I love it. 
Um, because I built a community. It's not just about clients and getting people in the door, but it's about motivating women and helping women to get inspired to follow their dreams. So that's one of my biggest thing. And I feel like that's why I still keep to be successful in social media and in my business, because that kind of helps me to just get in touch with people. So that really means a lot to me. Right. Just no, but you're right. The truth is that there's no secret other than people need to like you. Yeah. That's really what it is with everything. If somebody likes you, then that's it. You know, then they'll, they'll, they'll go out of their way to go to you, to use your services. Like if somebody likes you, that's way more important than any other aspect because you don't have to be convenient if someone likes you. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And, and, and as you know, it's very competitive down here, but what we will do is I think we will make plan to get over to her. Yeah. I, I will. Uh, I'm not touching my eyelashes. Now I'm not touching my eyelashes, but I'll, 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 I'll deal with my brows. Uh, maybe. Um, so maybe we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, definitely come visit us and, you know, we would love to have you guys. Honestly, I really do appreciate this opportunity. To oh have yeah. No, yeah. For sure. Never, it, oh, yeah. If you ever want to be a if you ever want to be a small business sponsor of our show or any sponsor in between, we're more than more than happy to plug the show on the regular. Uh, again, our goal is to support as many small local businesses as we can, and of course, the goal of our podcast, with whatever revenue we're able to generate, is to again, it's it's, it's service, it's service, give and take. So we're basically, you know, we're doing this because we want to help, and so any support that you would be providing our show is basically going to come directly back to you. Right. So that's how we see it. Absolutely. No. Thank I, you so much for coming on and chatting with us. Ashley, Ashley, do you have a website that people can go to? Where do you want, want more? people to go? Where do you want people? To yeah, go? so definitely follow me on Instagram. I'm very into Instagram right now. So Lashley Browse Beauty. So L Ashley Browse and then Beauty. Um, and then also, you know, Facebook Lashley Browse Beauty as well. So definitely we can get in touch there. Putting that out there. Yeah, right now. guys, check it out. And Ashley also has a website. Uh, obviously, that is readily available, especially on the Instagram page where you can find it there. See, she now is, I'm following you. Yeah, there you go. So, don't tell anybody that I have an Instagram. I don't post anything. We have a pro. We have a we have a business Instagram. Right, obviously right. That I'm not talking about the business run. Right, like my personal. I don't post anything. So if you won't ever see me. I'll see you. <laughs> Ashley, it's been a real pleasure having you on. Best of success for your business. Looking forward to hopefully networking off each other further uh, and maybe dealing with my eyebrows at some point. Well. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great night. You Bye. do the same. Bye, guys. You know, that would be a totally fun thing to do, like a live stream of you getting your eyebrows done. Well, that, I mean, I'm just saying, like, that might, that would be something that would be, well, it would be way entertaining for me. It might make get like, like some views. No, it would no. Look, make you look like like well kempt, like which is what you should be. Well, I don't want to look too well. No, I, I, I assure like you, I you will not look too well kempt. Okay, I'm just well, saying. I think I'm doing pretty, you're I think, okay. You I think can I'm use doing a pretty trim. good for 39. So you know, is that what it is? Having, it's an age thing. Maybe. I mean, you know, we definitely don't. Well, look, you know, the older you get, the faster you age. So the more you can try to slow it down. I look better. so good for 60. Yeah. I know. I look You're great. 60. I look so good. I for knew it. <laughs> knew you were lying the whole I just figure if I always lie older, I'll look, I'll look great. If I always lie older. <laughs> no, but the truth is most people do think that you're very young. I am young. In my mind, I'm 26. Well, 
I guess you can like it, I really feel like that. Like I really, you know. I don't know if not I always agree physically. with that comedy calamity, but I, I could definitely say that real men do take care of themselves. Do you know real men well, groom themselves? Mm-hmm. And it really depends on the individual. Some people's eyebrows might not get unruly, and so then you don't need to necessarily deal with them. Some people, like it, really depends on the person. You just need to be aware of your own needed you know, upkeep. So we will have our next guest, Scott Lively, who will be coming in in about five minutes. And so that conversation should be very It's going to be really interesting. I have a, a lot, lot of copious notes from well, the book. I read, you guys know I take, like, I, do, I note things. Well, considering, um, was he a top? Was he a full? Uh, he was a, yeah, he full? was. He, and, okay. and, and he, and he had his kids as well. Boy, he would love for you to do, to go again. Yeah, probably. And considering he's how, great. Yeah. But he's not, and he's not a Democrat. No, I wouldn't say, look, like I said, there is that there is that Osiris vote that's out there or that yeah. support, even if it isn't necessarily a voter if you were to run again in the primary, but definitely a the supporter. type of financial support. Absolutely. Yeah. Would definitely like to see somebody like you in the halls of Congress. And again, it doesn't hurt that you would be running against one of the most anti-small business politicians well, that you can let's, possibly now going have. from well, what we're doing right now is we're going from small business to ginormous business. Is what we're well, doing. Well, look, now. when we talk about the biggest conglomerates in the United States, one there's of three of them. There's big pharma, there's big oil, and there's big agriculture. And one of the biggest pieces of that is really meat. And yeah. that's something we get into here, even though it's the food, like even though it's the Department of Agriculture, if when you're reading this book, Scott even says you might as well just call it the Department of Meat because that is the bulk of the of who controls it. And it's um, a very I don't know like, if you knew that it's it's meat. And it's an extremely cutthroat industry, from what I understand. Like they no pun intended. No pun intended. I swear there was no pun to that. There's four big meat packers in the United okay. States and all companies. And even when you see something that you think is the organic brand, also they play all sorts of games. I mean, we'll talk about it, but like they've learned that putting the name farms as opposed to ranch is more comforting to people. So they'll put like, you know, Dakota farms or whatever they put on it, but really it all traces back to Purdue. So there's four companies that own 80% or so of the beef. And then you have the small, the, the, the small business. There's a few. And, and what this book really, that I think is really good is it really puts in people's heads, especially people, um, more for people who do eat meat. Like this is just information for people who eat meat to be able to ask the right questions, where your meat comes from, how is your meat being raised? And he has a lot of very strong opinions on um, sustainable agriculture and interweaving it with grazing animals, which we've done shows on that. And it's really about using cattle as part of sustainable farming and the way he, and also with grass fed beef, it's, it's completely different thing than what we're, we're talking about it, but most beef is not organic grass fed beef. So he wrote a book about the industry and it's really the good, the bad and the ugly. It really is. And um, the name of the book is For the Love of Beef, the Good, the Bad, and the Future of America's Favorite Meat. And it is kind of interesting how so much of it is politically driven because, yeah. again, as we alluded to, if you guys want to check out a podcast that we did this evening, we were on uh, Stuck in the Middle with Osiris. Uh, one of the things that we had emphasized, which is very true, is that when it comes to the Second Amendment, when it comes to the issue of guns, responsible gun ownership is a huge thing that most people should really be thinking about, especially if they're not willing to give up meat altogether. If you are able to hunt, that gives you a distinct advantage when it comes to whether or not you are going to emit a high, a high carbon footprint. Those that hunt do not. Factory farming is without question one of the biggest emitters of carbon in the world, 
especially when we're talking about cow grazing. I mean, my God. Yeah. And that also has to do with what they're fed. Um, cows that eat corn produce infinitely more methane than cows that are grass grass fed. And so there's, there's a lot of parts of the process. Also the level of transportation, it's, this is something that, that he says, you know, 80% of our organic beef is imported in this country. So when you're talking about importing and huge transportation costs, that's definitely a big carbon footprint versus smaller sustainable branches with nearby, um, uh, packing industries. Like it, it, there's a way to do this so that it's infinitely less of an impact on our ecosystem. Metalopoly, who is with us from Stuck in the Middle podcast. Thank you for subscribing and joining us on our channel. Yeah. Yes, I definitely think that the olive branch is there. There are many issues that I think a lot of us do agree on, as we alluded to previously. And of course, small business support. Uh, That's what we're trying to do. Metalopoly, that what you're saying there is essentially like the purpose of what we're trying to do is base things on reason and bring people together on like minded issues and do it per issue. We don't have to agree on abortion if we can work together on, you know, climate change. That's great or whatever, like it doesn't, we don't have to agree on everything to get things done. And it's pretty obvious where the country actually stands on abortion. And that doesn't mean that you're going to get, this is, and this is the thing, if you want to talk about the big issue here with the Democrats and why this is all about political gamesmanship and not about the needs of women in this country who have very legitimate reasons as to why they may need to terminate a pregnancy. I don't want to hear from any religious crazies about your opinion about this, because every person is an individual. This is a libertarian belief system that I espouse. You have to remember that when it is on the ballot, especially in dead red Kansas, it overwhelmingly passes. Now, they still vote GOP, but they're voting on the issue itself that they really believe in. So anytime it's making it on the ballot, it's moving in the direction of where the populist opinion of the country actually is. In Indiana, that was when the legislature made the decision for the people. That's a problem. And it wouldn't make much of a difference because that is a very red state. You have to hold your elected representatives accountable that are doing things like that. No one should have to suffer for that if it's up to the people to decide. And most people from a politically populist perspective, left or right, believe that it should be made in the decision of the people, not in the decision of the electeds. The electeds respond to us, not the other way. I would would say to the people that are on the right side um, in terms of partisan politics in this country, um, if you would just stop fighting on this issue and just let people have, like, if this would stop being an issue, if you would, like, overpower the religious right in your party and you would just stop making this an issue, you will take away anything the Democrats have. You'll take away anything that they have. If you give up on that issue, then the Democrats will have nothing. Which, uh, just abortion? Oh, yeah. No, it's not the only issue. Oh, in this election, if they weren't fighting over abortion right now. Oh, well, if it wasn't for this election, yes, I would agree with that. No, and I I just think in general, Democrats fundraise and campaign heavily off of the choice issue. If they didn't have that, they really don't have anything else. So I don't know what you think they'd be campaigning on if they weren't out there fighting. If there wasn't a Roe v. Wade thing right now, the Democrats would be campaigning on nothing. Colonello, no one is talking about lining up with fascists. No. So that's, again, you're talking about a straw man and pegging everyone on the right as a, as a fascist. That's is not wrong. how it works. That's not yeah. what fascism just is. Just like not everybody on the left is a commie. So let's be, let's, let's be 100% that about that. Yeah, no so, straw manning. Okay, so here's an interesting question, and this is an interesting way of framing it. 
Pro-choice believes it's not a person until born. Pro-life believes it's literally killing a baby. How can there be a compromise in such diametrically opposed position? Well, I actually am pro-choice and I do believe that it is a life and I do believe that you are taking a life. However, I believe that the life of the mother in her civil liberties trumps all and that whether or not somebody is even pregnant is nobody else's concern. See, you shouldn't have to know whether or not somebody is terminating a pregnancy and get involved in it because it's nobody's business. And that's the problem. It is not pro-life, it's anti-choice. There's for choice and there's against choice. Nobody is pro-abortion, so there's no such thing as anti-abortion. I reject that narrative entirely. So I am not pro-abortion, I am anti-abortion. I think that's not a good thing. I, I think that most people don't want that and don't choose that. But I think it's none of my business what other people do in a room with their physician. I yeah. think that that's just not my business. And I do think that it is taking a life. So don't say that you think people on the left don't think that it's an unborn child isn't a life because I do think that. And the most disturbing And I've part, had two of them. Yeah, and the most disturbing part, if you think about it, is what we've discovered over the course of the past several months regarding Roe v. Wade is how many men think it's their place to tell a woman what to do with their body. Fascinating, is, isn't it? And we've got this, and when, listen, when people talk about Governor DeSantis and the issues that we have with him as governor, he is nowhere close to being in the radical part of the GOP here in this state. No. We have this state senator, Aaron Grawl, I mean, the one woman you can say, but you want to talk about a person who is a complete psychopath regarding abortion and her with the, with the necklaces and everything. She looks like she would love the handmaid's Handmaid's tale. Handmaid's tale. Right out of it. Right out of it. hundred percent. Yeah. Like, like basically I bet she probably loves Amy Coney Island. Yeah. Like that's probably like her, her person. Um, yeah, I, I'm done talking about the choice issue. I'm really done negotiating it. I'm not discussing it. I'm not debating it. I don't want to, I don't have to, because the bottom line is whether you agree with it or not, the majority of this country supports a woman's right to choose period. So if you like the idea of a democracy or democratic Republic, if you think that that means that it's a majority rule, then you have to accept that when your position, your opinion is in the minority that you don't get your way. Yeah, I do. I'm against capital punishment. I don't think that should be a thing. And I get that most people support that. And I am in a minority. And so I don't get my way. That doesn't mean I I have to agree with it, but that's how democracy is supposed to work. And again, every circumstance is different. But what you have to remember also is that we're looking at a country, especially if we're trying to build this type of what I consider to be the progressives and libertarians coalition. That's the best. That's the biggest and best coalition that could be built in the United States. And one of the big issues is how we spend our money. Again, real progressive. Correct. And so one of the big issues when it comes to the death penalty is how much financial waste goes into that. When you calculate how much more money it costs to put somebody on death row versus just give them life in prison, it's- Okay, but as somebody who's argued this with people like Odd Infinitum, what I could tell you is what they say is that yes, because they shouldn't get so many appeals. So then they say, oh, but it shouldn't cost so much to execute somebody. Like if you were to ask my dad at certain points in his life, he'd say, I just take him out back and shoot him. But- you know, we're, we're, we're trying to have some sort of civilization here. I personally, I've always been vehemently opposed to the death penalty. It's not my jam, but um, I recognize that I am not in the majority. One of the things, one thing we will mention before we bring Scott on is, Colonello, one thing I will say, and that you have to understand this, one of the big reasons why the Second Amendment has become such a hot button for the libertarian right is because our police are already militarized. 
Like, yeah, that- this is not this is not it will give the police an excuse to be militarized ever since the war in Iraq, which is one of it. I mean, it's it's our generation's Vietnam. It is as bad as you is as one can imagine, even though we're kind of still living through it because war in the Middle East is still going on. But the amount of waste, real financial waste that went into that war, the weapons of war that were created, where do you think a lot of it ended up? Look at, I mean, Bill Maher did a great spot on this years ago, basically showing how all the militarized gear, the It's the, the surplus tags, goes the trucks, to the police department. They would go to these local police departments yeah. in the middle of, uh, you know, because you need them to USA. have, you need them to have tanks. Yeah, because they need tanks. You know, they really need tanks <laughs> for protection. But look, when you're a country that what you make the most of is weapons, weapons and, and military, right? Yeah. That you're not going to have a world wherein we're going to get rid of them. You're going to see more of them because that's what we do. Hey, we Seuss, do I would definitely agree with that. History has shown that a firing squad is probably the most. Again, again if you have to do it, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Look, personal opinion. I'm just saying. I Fair personally, enough. yes, I'm not saying I agree that it's that's not. Amazing policy. how many different things that we could possibly cover at one time. But, but we are not going to keep our wonderful guest waiting any longer no. because he is not only a very solid writer who definitely knows a thing or two. He's also a huge supporter of Jen. So well, he was very supportive and he was one of the earlier people that, that I support. He was one. I have to, I think I found him from call time. I think I randomly called him when I was sitting there with Makita mm. and I think I randomly found him in call time, but we'll definitely make sure if we, if you did run again, <laughs> not to make the, you know, we, we would use it much better. Use we know, what, we know better that. what we're doing now. Yeah. And so with that said, he is the he is a organic beef entrepreneur. Grass fed, grass not fed. just organic. It's that grass is very fed. Important. It is important. He is also the author of For the Love of Beef, which, ladies and gentlemen, the good, the bad, and the future of um, I think it's America's favorite meat. Well, I can't true. because this is the thing is that I kindled it because he didn't send one to me. Bring him on, bring him on. Let's talk. Scott Lively, welcome to Generational Change. How you guys doing? Nice to Hi. nice to talk to you. It's nice to see you in person. We've never actually like met. No, and you're right. You called me um, out of the blue on like a Thursday or Friday night, and I just picked up the phone. <laughs> Isn't that just weird? Yeah, and uh, we had a lot in common. And uh, you told me you're running for Congress, and uh, I, 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 you know, I'm a, I'm a very, I think, a strange political view person. Yeah. I'm incredibly right wing, but I'm also. A, a massive progressive. I am incredibly anti-war. I'm incredibly, you know, at the same time, free speech, um, you know, support gay marriage. I, I'm just in, I'm, I'm an anomaly and we hit it off and I was happy to support you. No, it was awesome. I appreciate it. And, you know, you definitely represent like an industry that gets a lot of controversy, especially as we're people that are a, progressives. I hate labels, but we're on, we tend to be appealing to the left. And there's a lot of very anti-meat, uh, sentiment and I don't eat meat, but not because, uh, I think I, I I would act if I were going to eat meat, I would eat what you do. Like I would eat it that like when it's sustainable, I would, I don't like industrialized animals. I think that, yeah, factory farming is, is an issue. And I think that if, 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 if if you do read my book, I know I did. I absolutely <laughs> sent you a copy. So I will, I will resend you a copy, but I know I did. Because I, I did read, I kindled. Well, I definitely sent you a hard copy and I'll send okay. you both a copy tomorrow. Okay. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I'm, 
I treat meat like an indulgence. It's not my daily sustenance. Actually, my, my newest venture is a plant-based food company that's called Plants to Food. And it's the world's largest plant-based food co-manufacturer in Lincoln, Rhode Island. And I just literally bought this company on Thursday. So uh, Wow. All right. Well, we'll have to talk about that. We'll have to talk about that because that's interesting, especially since you, towards the end of this book, you're talking about the plant-based meat options. Which which I absolutely... Look, just if you're going to eat plants, eat plants. You don't need to disguise it. It's Franken food. It's Franken food, right? Yeah, it's great. Mitch Hegberg, the, 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 the comedian that passed away, had the best line about, uh, you know, fake turkey, turkey bacon, turkey ham. He's like, just be a turkey. You're good enough like you are. You don't right. have to pretend to be anything else. And oh, I oh, think that's oh, one of the funniest lines. And I think that if vegans want to eat fake hamburger, why? Just there's so many great plant-based options with like a few ingredients. I think so. people crave that meat flavor. You know, they really do. And you look, after reading this, as you are definitely the connoisseur of meat flavor. So I would think you would understand. And I, I love beef. I love the flavor, but I also believe in restraint and control in all parts of your life. Um, and I, I think that I probably, you know, beef twice a week, uh, anywhere from four to 10 ounces. I, I'm just, uh, I love it. I really do. It makes me feel charged. And there's a line that it doesn't, you know, you don't eat beef to stay alive. But you want to feel alive. I get a big energy when I eat a protein. My Thursday nights are still a New York strip by myself, nothing else. Yeah, maybe a little bourbon. And uh, I kind of do my thing. Uh, but on a daily basis, I would say that I'm 80% plant-based um, I, just for my diet and my health. And I'm older now. I'm 50. So <laughs> at my age. Okay, I'm still know. older than you. <laughs> I forget that sometimes. You look I- younger than me. Thank you. Well, I, you know what? I haven't worked as hard as you have either. Like I haven't I been running a big company and traveling. I, all I watched it. your campaign on social media. You worked your ass off. All right. Well, thank you. Um, talk a little bit about when you got started in this and really, I mean, there's so many basic things that people have no clue what they're talking about with beef. And you even go into that pretty detail about the amount yeah. of people that talk about what they have no idea what they're talking about. Um, but talk about like really where the biggest threat you think comes from in that industry? I mean, you talk about the big four, but um, the misinformation, the like, what do you think are the biggest threats and the things that people need to be aware about um, when they're, because I'm not opposed to people eating meat. Like yeah. I'm not, you know, but let's be smart. So I think where it, 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 it you know, I talk about when, it, you know, what's in a brand. I talk about branding. It's a chapter in the book. And there are so many amazingly clever taglines in the beef industry, you know, uh, all natural, never, ever pasture raised. All of those, all of those attributes can be attributed to conventional feedlot beef. They were all, they were once in a pasture. (laughs) Okay. Uh, we very rarely use antibiotics and hormones anymore, unless it's, uh, an animal sick. They are given growth, uh, hormones to an extent at a certain age. Um, and uh, this whole idea of never, ever, there's no way of proving it or tracking it. It's just, it's basically an affidavit from the rancher saying, yeah, I never did this. Well, if you know you can grow an animal from 800 pounds to 1,250 pounds in record time, and all you got to do is sign a piece of paper that no one's checking on, and you're going to make anywhere from literally 18 to 25 cents a pound more. And on a 1,250 pound animal, that's a lot of money. Yeah. You're going to do whatever. And so these these self-policing mechanisms that are given to the to the 
label claims are just absolutely silly. I, I think it's just silly. I think that there are um, some things out there we could do, uh, and, and, but it's, it's going to be like, you know, parallel parking the Titanic. There's just a lot to happen. But the biggest thing for me is when people read all natural or they read never ever, it, it has no meaning whatsoever. Even in the book, I talk about product of the USA. Yeah. It, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be cattle grown in the USA. It doesn't have to be cattle slaughtered in the USA. As long as you grind that meat or cut that steak. Oh my God. If I'm going to lose you guys, I'm going to die. My battery's going low. Um, uh, it, you can put product USA as long as you've processed it. And to some extent in the USA. So I could buy millions of pounds of your Guayan beef. That's a year old and giant cubes grind it in a Nebraska not even add American beef and put legally put product USA on there. Did you know that? Did not know that. And, and, and you also mentioned how much percentage of the organic meat in this country is imported. Like, and I don't think people understand that what that does to the environment, just that like, yeah, you're, it's better to have organic, but it would be better if the organic was closer. But why is it explain why it is that so much of our beef is imported? The, it's, it's, it's really interesting because it's so much cheaper or it used to be. Um, and the, they have access to, uh, millions of pounds of trimmings. So what we import isn't really steaks and, you know, it's not tenderloin and strip loin and ribeye and top sirloin. It's trimmings. It's lean points of like 85% fat, 50, uh, 85% meat, 15% fat, 85, 15, 90, 10, they import trimmings and that meat used to be used to just dumb down our burgers because it was easy to source. It was cheap and it was available. And because you could call it product US and no one cared. We export some of the, our most amazing meat literally goes to China and Japan. We export some of the, our best cuts. We don't get here. We export those. Um, and uh, we import a ton of lean trimmings to make our, well, because of what's happened with supply chain issues, because of what's happened with just, you know, since COVID the world imported beef has gone up, but there's such an addiction to it. They're still buying it. And what all that's done is drove up the cost of American beef. So now we used to pay $3.80 for 85.15 lean trimmings of American domestic organic. Import went through the roof because of the uh, economy. So we had to chase it. So now everyone's paying more for beef because the import price went through the roof. And that, that really is the true economics of it. How, can, do you know what the exact uh, calculation is regarding how much the average American consumes beef on a he daily knows. basis? Yeah, the average American consumes over 60 pounds a year of red meat. So that's the equivalent. Somebody else in the world's taking my 60 and is doing 120 because so I'm right. not. So, so it's the equivalent of eating, almost eating a quarter pound cheeseburger from McDonald's every day. Like it's basically that extent. A little it's more actually. A little more. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. what that tells you is, is that we have a beef addiction. We have, we just have a meat addiction in general. Yeah. And I really think, well, you know, because it's been so cheap for so long. So, you so know, it you, was you, pushed on us. Well, talk, will you talk about, talk about how that happened because it happened after world war two with the corn and the overproduction. Yeah. And so they gave it to the and cows. Then I, and then that really ties to the CRP land. I want to talk about conservation okay. reserve program. Quick question. If I lose you guys, cause my laptop looks like it's dying. Um, and I don't have a charger. Can I call back at my phone or it'll yeah. work okay? Okay, because yeah. I might drop you. I don't know. No, no, no. That's okay. So what happened is we had a major uh, an, uh, overstock of corn. The corn prices went through the toilet because in World War II, we were feeding the troops. We were making Coca-Cola. 
I mean, this is everything was corn. Okay. Uh, high fructose corn syrup became a thing in everything. Uh, and it was, it was, it was a cheap grain. It was easy to do it. What happened was they started feeding it to cattle, but to bring the corn prices up, they created what was called the conservation reserve program, the CRP. And a farmer could take a percentage of his land and put it into CRP where he agrees not to farm it for a hundred years. Uh, and they'll pay him, I mean, anywhere from 200 to $1,000 an acre to not farm it for that 100 years. Now, a lot of these farms went into, you know, they got inherited. And there, there, there's CRP farms still out there. They're, I mean, like, four, I think like 14 million acres. The problem is, if you're a smart farmer, you're not going to put your best, luscious crops into CRP. You're going to put your unfarmable land. You're going to put your rocky, hilly the area you would never plant corn to begin with is going to go into CRP, right? Uh, but that did drive up the price of corn. And, you know, cattle started being affected by that because it was a quick gain and people couldn't believe how fast cattle gained. If you just fed cattle 90 days on corn, it was the exact same thing as feeding them for almost nine months on grass. Right. That's so how it's fast. Cheaper. It it's so much it's cheaper. cheaper. You don't have to so keep cheaper. them alive. But it's like sugar. It's a it's a start, just like you and I eating McDonald's hamburgers every day. Right. going to get big, right? So uh, now there's 14 million. I don't know if that's numbers. There are millions of acres of CRP land out there. But this this land has not been farmed, which means it's not been sprayed. No herbicides, no pesticides, nothing. This would instantly qualify as organic certified pasture land. We could literally put together a government program. The government would have to get involved and allow regenerative grazing on CRP land. Since there's no reason to flip it again, corn prices are, if World War II, we're not even affected yeah. by that. It's so stupid. Even It's in the 40s. Okay. You could graze regenerative cattle. You could graze a ton of animals on that land in a very humane, healthy, and regenerative way where you're actually putting nitrogen where it belongs is in the soil instead of in the air. And you could actually create a healthy cow ecosystem and you wouldn't need all the corn to feed them and it would be better for the people be better for everybody because grass-fed beef is better for you there's no question about it it's not even a and it's, it's better for the environment it's 100%. better for the environment you know we had one of the first shows we had was a woman who wrote a book called um the soil will save us um her name's kirsten olson and it's all about regenerative um agriculture and it definitely talks about how you need to have the grazing animals rotating the different fields and just how it all works together and it really makes so much sense when you think about it, but it costs more money to do it. And people- It's more time so, consuming. It doesn't have to cost more, but it well, takes- Well, but that labor, right? Yeah. But is that, like you're paying yeah. people more hours to watch animals for longer periods of but time. But you're not feeding them on an hourly basis hmm. or a daily basis. So it's less labor. You're putting them out, they're foraging. And cows want okay. to eat, they want to forage. So a feed yard of a thousand animals might employ 10 people. Okay, a pasture land of 660 acres would employ two. Now, it, it's not about uh, employment in that section. It's about it's not that much more expensive because you're basically just watching animals, making sure that your head counting noses and butts at the end of the day. Uh, you're not cow calving. You're not breeding animals. You're just feeding them. It's called backgrounding. You're just making sure they gain weight and they're in the proper pasture and that once they've depleted an area, you move them to the next and you close that area off and you let it regenerate. regenerate. Right. People don't understand that if you let them graze too far below the line, then it can't regenerate. And that's why it's important to keep them moving. You can only let them graze like to a certain point above the ground and right. then 
Right. Yeah. I mean, it's right. this is very common sense. And what happened in the, if you remember the Dust Bowl, the Grapes of Wrath and all that stuff, what happened is we took all this prairie land that was never meant to be farmed. It is, right. it, it is, we, we harvested it, we tilled it, we pulled, we killed the root system yeah. and we planted crops. Then you had a little bit of, you had a little drought, not a big drought, like an 18 month drought. And then you had some high winds and then all of a sudden the natural root system was gone and you got the dust bowl, you know, and it just, it fell apart because that land should have <laughs> never been deemed for crop production. It would have been a great place to raise cattle, would have been a great natural place for them to, you know, eat grass and uh, switch grass and alfalfa hay and all sorts of natural things that grew. But we destroyed it by undercutting millions of acres in the Oklahoma and Texas panhandle. And what did we get? We got the Dust Bowl because when you screw with ecosystems and things change a little bit, a little bit of dry, a little bit of heat, a little bit of, of, uh, of high winds, you know, they were pulling dust off cars in New York City. And it's because we, we misappropriated the land. Did, did you ever think you would know this much about beef? Did you ever think you were going to like be in the meat business? Like, did you foresee this? Not even a little bit. No, I, I got into this because I have a supply chain management background in software and technology. Uh, I started, so started from a tech point of view and I just, I just, I've been doing it since 2003. Yeah. So talk time. about your, talk about your cows though. Like talk about what the process is and why grass fed is different. Why your, how your company operates and, Remind me, it's Dakota, right? Is it Dakota? That was my original company. I founded okay. and sold that to a company called Myers Natural. Uh, my current business is Raise American, R-A-I-S-E, raiseamerican.com. Okay. And uh, it is a, a, a pasture-raised grass-fed program. Uh, we have another program that's a very high-end genetic uh, uh, cattle program called Spring Lake Ranch. And what our cattle are is they're carefully selected. I mean, we have a lot of producers. I mean, probably six, 700 cattle producers. But we're very strict about the um, uh, the feeding protocols, about the time on feed, the time and grass. And we monitor all that very clearly. The ranchers have to almost apply to be a supplier to us. And it's a very strict. It's more than just getting USDA organic certified. We really got to know what you're feeding them, what your rotation, what your pasture time is. What do you do in the winter? You know, it's, it's, it's very involved. Uh, so we don't own the land or the farms. We own the cattle. And we pay people to feed them on their ranches. Okay. Whereas, and what you talk about in this book is the amount of companies that put out meat, but they've never owned the cattle. Like it was never their cattle. They Most never beef had companies are just brands. They don't. They, they've never owned anything but a piece of but a steak. So how They're, do we know? Let's say we're going into the supermarket because I mean, you talk a lot about. Yeah, I wish I had a great neighborhood butcher. I yeah, wish yeah. I did that, but let's be real. Most of us don't. So how do you know? You know, I pick up something and it has whatever, like the one here is Maverick, Maverick yeah. grass fed beef out of Georgia. And it says product of Georgia, but where is it really? So that, so I've known those guys that founded that. His name was Dave something from, I mean, I'm talking 20 years and they used to be up in the Midwest. They moved around. It's a brand that is a brand owned by a major food packing company. Um, I think it might be Buckhead beef in Alpharetta, Georgia. Uh, they haven't owned a cow in 20 freaking years. Uh, the Maverick, I know that Dave, I can't remember his last name. God, I know the guy that founded that company. He was really big into, uh, heart and lung. And then like, he was, a, he was donated to the Olympics. He was a good guy. Uh, but his kids, when he passed away, his kids sold the business. Uh, and it's basically only sold in Publix. I think, I think that's the only, but that, that really? Publix is that's, huge. That's, yeah. Publix is huge, but 
but I mean, I've, they're probably going to come after me, kill me, but Maverick hasn't owned an animal. I, I, I'm going to guess 20 years. They buy meat, they pack it, they put their label on it and they call it Maverick Ranch. So who it. owns, so who owns meat? Like who are, what are, they, are buy, it, they buy it from the big packers. They buy it from IVP, Tyson, Cargill. Are there, is there anybody that's, that owns meat that we can know like, okay, we're buying this product and it's actually people that are raising. Yeah, well, we do. I mean, Raise American does not just to toot our own home. A horn, but um, there's some great producers in Colorado that are doing some unique grass-fed wagyu programs. I think one's called Three Three Forks or Three Bars. I can get you some names, but there's I, I can name twenty great producers. Oh, we lost him. That's okay. Yep, he'll he'll call on. back on his phone. Uh, um, I do believe that that is true. Okay, so Paul, I do believe that because there's even in in this book there's a chapter basically that beef is money. He's asking, is the title for the love of beef, beef wordplay on the, on the song? I'm back. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It's okay. Um, he's asking is for the love of beef wordplay on the bone thug song for the love of money. Um, no, you know, for the love of beef, first of all, it's not the name that I wanted. I, I wanted to call it, uh, what's your beef. Um, and my, That's my cool. editor, uh, my, my publisher, uh, made me change it. And for the love of beef is more of an accusation than it is a statement. It's more like everything we do and everything we go through just for the love of beef. It's not really about, hey, you know, the, the problem, the book, is with it's done great in Barnes & Noble and some other benefit, but it always ends up in the cookbook section and it's not where it belongs. It's no, not. it doesn't. In, well, there, unless you're wanting to know how to butcher a cow and you want the yeah. diagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In there. No, so it's, it's really interesting that, um, I don't know if I should turn this this way. Is that better? I'm really bad at this. It doesn't no, it's matter. Fine. It's fine. Okay. It's fine. Uh, this is only like my third podcast. Are you East or West right now? Are you at I'm home? in Martha's Vineyard. I'm at my home. Okay. Yeah. I've been here 21 oh, years. Oh, we can have a, we can I have told a, you he's there. And then I know sorry, you do Scottsdale. I do Scottsdale in Arizona. And now, now I, I have a business in Denver. I have a really cool charcuterie, a, a really unique old school dry aged uh, salami, salumi, brasola, like old Italian dry aged meats in Denver. And now I have nice your dry age room. You say you should always ask if you can see somebody's dry age room. You come to my dry age room, Jen, and I will show I, you meat <laughs> aging on the shelves. It's amazing. I age meat anywhere from 21 to 90 days. And it, it's phenomenal. That would uh, be People lie yeah. about it, by the way. That's the point about well, the they, well, and there's there's dry age and wet age. I can leave an animal. <laughs> I call it an animal. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. I can leave a, you know, a, a primal of ribeye in the in the cryovac for 90 days and call it wet aged. Well, it, it's just old. <laughs> okay. It didn't, it didn't fucking do anything. Excuse my language. <laughs> I think it goes without saying that this is a very important conversation. One of the things that I criticize uh, democratic politics for significantly when it comes to the carbon footprint problem that we have in the country today is the Democrat, the, 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 the liberal side of economic development tends to be very centralized. It's very city focused and very often people do not understand the parameters of what it takes to actually be a farmer and especially yeah. when it comes to being a beef farmer. Uh, can you talk about the importance of kind of getting back to, you know, the way things used to be where people were not adverse to, let's say, hunting for food? Because factory farming is, for all intents and purposes, maybe the biggest impediment we have to real climate policy yeah. in this country that can make a big difference. Sure. So I'm going to meet you in the middle and say that, yeah, I, I love, I hunt. I love the idea of hunting. I hunt pheasant. I don't do deer or elk. It's just not, I it's not my, it's just not my thing. I don't want to drag anything out of the woods. I'm not, it's more about my <laughs> comfort. Labor intensive, right? But I do mm -hmm. love pheasant hunting and I, and I eat the fat. I love the meat and I store it. But I think that 
one of the biggest problems we have right now is the restrictions on farmers selling their meat locally to their own community. And that is being cracked down on like you wouldn't believe. And it's ridiculous. You and that's all big ag, basically. hundred percent. 12 years ago, you could go in a small town to a local cold locker. You could say, Hey, what do you have? And he'd say, I have this, I have this from this farmer. Or I could go to a farmer and say, Hey, I want to buy that cow. Yeah. Have him killed to this locker. Leave. It's called a locker because the meat stays there and you go get it as you need it. And that's how communities in the Midwest, I mean, through the 50s, 60s and 70s thrived. It's becoming illegal. They don't want you I knew that getting was meat. There was an Amish guy arrested for selling eggs and chicken like two weeks ago. And they're cracking down on you buying off the farm. That's absurd. That's the first biggest key that we have a major problem. And that is all big ag. That is all big beef. There's no question. There's no question. I mean, I, I some of the best meat I've ever had in my life, I've literally bought off the farm. My, my first 30 head of cattle I bought from a guy named Joel Risman in Seward, Illinois. I slaughtered them. Uh, sold them door-to-door to Chicago restaurants. It was phenomenal meat. I've, I haven't had anything that good in so long. And I think that we've got to not only allow these farmers to create their own markets and to create a local network for them to sell. Think about the supply chain here. And, I, and I'm sorry if I'm rambling on. Let me, no, let me, let me just get this out. So uh, farmer Bob in South Dakota has 500 head. He's going to sell them to an auction yard. Auction yard is going to sell them to JBS. And I like I have some friends there. They don't like me, but I have some friends there. So the farmer made a little bit of money. The auction yard didn't do that for free. They charged a commission to sell them, right? They, 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 they probably made 5%, 6% on the commission of 500 animals. Uh, you're talking 1,200-pound animals that are $2,500 or $3,000 each. It's a lot of money. Then they get sold to, to JBS. JBS is going to slaughter them. They're going to turn them into meat. They're going to sell them to UNFI or Cisco or a food distribution company. Uh, you can pick any company you want that distributes food. U.S. Foods, um, so they're going to mark it up. Okay, they're going to get thirteen percent. So, so you're going to get probably two hundred bucks an animal, or you're going to get maybe Packers don't make a lot of money, about eight percent, but they do billions of dollars. Eight percent of a billion dollars is a lot of money. Um, then you're going to go to a food distributor like U.S. Foods. They're going to put thirteen percent on it. They're going to sell it to the grocery store. The grocery store is going to put 30% on it. That's the markup at retail. 30% Publix, Whole Foods is higher. Costco only does 14 because they charge membership fees. So that's their, that's their agreement with their members, only 14%. Stop and shop, 30%. So you've marked it up again. Then you buy it and you take it home. You have all the supply chain, all this margin. If the farmer could just literally slaughter an animal, cut a steak and sell it to you, it'd be half price because not every guy along the supply chain is taking his piece. Thank you. But they're making it illegal. They're making it. I mean, they're starting to monitor. They want us to USDA register gardens. I mean, it's becoming just absurd. I, I This is where my libertarian side comes out of me. Sorry. No, we have that too. I mean, you know, we talked about that a lot tonight, but you know, when I say that I'm left, it's not a Democrat Republican thing. It's a populist thing. It's a it's a universal thing, yep. right? So when when we go in that direction, we end up with a bunch of libertarians. And when it comes to civil liberties, I am extremely there. And so um, am I. I'm about individual freedom. I'm about yeah. your right to do what you want to do. 
And if you're a farmer and you want to make money selling to your neighbors, God bless you. And if you're a Hasidic Jew in Brooklyn and you don't want to buy into the mainstream anything, God bless you. Do your thing. I just really believe in individual freedom. And I think that's what sets me apart with a lot of my really conservative uh, uh, friends. Yeah. And, and, and not only that, but this is honestly, this if this was not an issue, the carbon footprint reduction you would get from this alone would be substantial that it would actually be noticeable. Yes. Yes. The regenerative, uh, and there's a, I have a whole chapter on regenerative farming of getting the nitrogen mm-hmm. into the soil instead of the air where it belongs. And, you know, one of the things that the, this is how detached the USDA is, I think it was 10 years ago, they've had $18 million study to measure the gas coming out of a cow. Okay. Methane doesn't come out of their ass. It comes out of their mouth. They belch the methane, but they spent $20 million almost to measure. It's just, they have no idea what they're talking about. And it just shows it's another government. Hey, we have money, let's spend it. And it's not helping consumers or, or Americans. Okay, so this will be a great libertarian talking point that I know you will appreciate. I was under the impression that it was cow farts. That's no. what they've always said. Cows don't fart. <laughs> this is this is no different than when people were saying that they were taking Joe, twisting Joe Rogan's words, who was saying, I took ivermectin. And they're like, you took horse pace. And it's like, no, there's horse pace. And then there's human medicine yeah. that you can take. Why is there this constant need to lie to the American public? It's blatantly yeah. dishonest. Like, so, it's funny, there's no gray area here. It's a hundred percent lies. So cows are ruminants. They have four stomachs. They're not like us. They don't have the same digestive system. They don't eat meat. They have four chambers that move through there. All of the methane that comes out of a cow is belched out its mouth. Okay. And it is real. And it, it, it definitely, it's it not a fake thing. thing okay. <laughs> but it doesn't come out their ass. It's not a fart. It has nothing to do with it. And it's absurd. Now, the way we manage their manure is a big deal. We need to start putting that in a way that it's not going into water. You know, there's, there's, there's lots of things around about that, but you're right. It's one of the biggest lies in the world where we're told a little bit of a fact and everyone just goes with it and thinks it's gospel um, because most people really don't read. They, they believe everything they hear in cable news and they just say, right, this is the way we're going to do it. And it's absurd. Uh, and I'll tell you what we've learned. Here's another big quiet secret. No one wants to talk about. And this is, Google this. This is a true fact. This is research. This is University of London. This is Texas A&M. There's a massive commercial feedlot in Oklahoma doing this today. I'm talking a feedlot with like 60,000 animals. This is huge. You can feed dehydrated seaweed to cattle in small I, in small pellet forms, yeah. and it reduces their output <clears throat> of carbon by like 60%. Yeah. I mean, massively. I saw that you definitely yeah. had some like I, I even like made notes of the things like that we can do that can change it. But <clears throat> quite honestly, if the animals were all eating grass, we wouldn't have this situation that we're in right now. Like it would be significantly less of a problem. The water used to grow the corn to feed the cattle waste. The corn going into the cattle that just does a quick gain and doesn't add any nutrients. The amount of nutritional iron, zinc, and uh, there's there's all sorts of different minerals when a grass-fed animal is processed. All we're doing is 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 we're 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 ruining good beef that could be easily grown on CRP land. And uh, and and I, and I and I think look, I've reduced my red meat intake. I, I not because of any moral thing. I just think for my health, my own my own thing. I just I just don't think I need that much. I love protein. Uh, I do still eat a little chicken. I you know a ton of fish. I uh, love raw fish. But um, 
if we could get back to, I'm going to call it steak or beef, red meat being the exception, not the norm, not the every day. Right. I mean, it's an indulgent. To me, to me, steak, my, my Thursday night steak is chocolate cake. It's not something I'm doing every day. You know, it's like bourbon and a cigar. I, I like it. Is it great for me? No, but I really enjoy it. I like the charge you get out of it, but I don't have anything else with it. I just have the steak. I don't have salad, potato, nothing. Um, so I, I really believe truly that um, uh, if we could make beef a, I don't mean luxury as an expensive, but as an, as an occasional thing we do because it makes you feel good. Uh, there's a, I just met a woman uh, named, uh, God, what's her name? Susie Cameron. She wrote a book called One Meal a Day. And she's like, just take one meal a day and go plant-based. Just one. If you could, I mean, it's literally okay, what 200,000 gallons of water a year. It's, you know, like driving, you know, a semi-truck from LA to New York. It's like, all right, I can do one meal a day plant-based. Fine. Maybe, you know, maybe it's my breakfast is avocado, you know, toast, you know, whatever it is. But I, I'm a huge proponent of that. Let's just find ways to do it better. And not have to go to this extreme level of you must give up meat tomorrow. I think that's it's just not realistic. You know, okay, before, 90 percent of America eats meat. I but want I think Scott 90- to burst everyone's bubble. Scott froze. He froze. Hopefully he froze. So I saw somebody on here talking about like the the Wagyu or Wagyu. He'll come back. Okay. All right. So before you, before you can go, you need to burst everyone's bubble because the Kobe and the Wagyu and all the fans <laughs> and stuff, cause you know, people are all into that. And they yeah, believe no. that. So can you please dispel the nonsense about that? Yeah. So, so, um, uh, first of all, if you're eating Kobe, chances are it, it better be expensive and there better be very little of it. Cause our, we have what's called a, um, uh, we have a limit of what we're allowed to bring in to the, to America. And it's like 60 pounds a week. It's not that much. So, so the everyone chance who's saying they can't all be eating Kobe. There's no chance. I mean, it's, it's, it, the, the chance you're eating real Kobe beef in America is slim to freaking none. Okay. And that's where I would challenge everybody. Okay. Um, the, 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 the tariff is ridiculous and the limit is tiny. Now, Wagyu is different. Wagyu is allegedly Kobe genetics blended with American Angus to create the Wagyu. Now, I first of all, I'm going to say this. I spent probably 10 years thinking Wagyu was absolute bunk and crap and just just not even just just a marketing just just junk. Then I had real Wagyu. I actually had twice. I had it in Nebraska and Omaha. And it was astounding. And I had it in uh, Boulder, Colorado by the three bar group I mentioned. And it was grass fed water. It was astounding. Now, in between those two times, the only two times that I've had real Wagyu where I knew the ranch, I knew the guy, I knew the producer, I knew the ranch, I knew everything. I knew I knew for a fact where he killed it and where it came. I've had probably a hundred Wagyu's and none of them have been anything more than I think old dairy cow. I think it was a five-year-old dairy cow that's really fat, got a marble. Like, it's called Wagyu, and it's just BS. I have I have been very uh, very fortunate. Um, you know, I I have uh, I've been given the same what I would call uh, value system as my father, who was self-made. But one thing 
that he always did over the years is uh, he never he, he never shortchanged me when it came to food. And so when it came to eating red meat at a time when I did, you know, we would go to like Burnham Doyle's out on Long Island. We would yeah. go to um, great spot. Yeah, we would go to uh, you know uh, you go to Capitol Grill. Uh, and there's it's, nothing wrong with Capitol Grill. It's one of the best chains in America. Oh, absolutely. And I don't sell them anything. I got no leverage there, but I think they do a good job of really sourcing quality product. And I'm just saying that because I I, I eat there. No, it's day good day. to know if you think someplace is good. But, because I, I, I can name ten other steak chains, low end and high end. Uh, I'll say Morton's and whatnot. I just wouldn't eat sure. there. It's, they don't go through the same process. But I, I, I know by having eaten at my, my personal experience, the Capital Grill does a great job of sourcing great meat. And what you have to remember, and this is also the problem with the fact that we have a broken economic system in our country as it stands today, people can't afford $100 for a steak. And well, so you <laughs> want to eat a $100 steak, especially at the Capitol Grill. And I can still remember the time where uh, this was right after Hurricane Sandy and we were stuck in Philadelphia and we went to the Capitol Grill. And I just remember being like, my God, I mean, this is if you're going to eat meat. This is the way it's supposed to taste. So I think a great place to close the conversation is to really discuss just how volatile the fast food industry is in this country. Yeah. The things that they have done to not just systemically destroy working class communities, because they have. I mean, let's be honest. When we think about the advertisements, when you think about the deliberate racially charged advertisements that McDonald's puts out there alone is really effed up. Uh, you know, the fact that they really focus on the black community. I mean, to me, there has to be so, there's something to be said about the meat consumption in the United States and the role that fast food plays in making this industry so completely decimated. And so, yeah, I, 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 I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to jump in and say that I completely agree with you. And it's not just McDonald's. It's all fast food. They all play on 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 a very, very uh, low income demographic. They all play on a very uh, quick fix. Every one of their buns and every one of their restaurants laced with sugar, which Sweet is more, salt and fat. Sweet more addictive salt and fat. than nicotine. Yep. Uh, and I'm not going to plug my book, but I'm going to say if you do read my book, and I'm going to send you both a copy, Chapter 15, What You're Allowed to Say, What You're Not Allowed to Say, and What It Really Means, talks yeah. about this. It talks about this. So um, the, the McDonald's is... And fast food, let's just say fast food, they're they're massively talented marketing people. They're massively talented targeting. And it, it when, when they start nailing a demographic that's most willing to spend, you know, I, I remember when I was a kid in college, Taco Bell had three, um, yeah, 59, 69, 79. It was three. Yeah, days, 69, 89, 109. I remember that. Oh, yeah, that. no, no, no. I remember oh, that. Oh, yeah, no, we all <laughs> did run yeah, for the border. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it's 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 it, it's absurd. But if you look at what, what, what Burger King did with the Impossible Burger, it's the same thing. They marketed the hell out of this. It's good for the environment. It's saving people. It's good for you. It's 27 freaking ingredients. They only disclosed 13 of them. They did the exact same thing with this Frankenburger as they do with the regular hamburger and charge the shit out of it. And people are going and they're like, okay, I'll take the Frankenburger with the sugar bun. I want all the accoutrements. I want a chocolate shake, large fries, and I'll throw in a Mountain Dew. You're not eating healthy. You're, you're actually destroying people. You're destroying them economically because you're in their communities and they work for you and you're paying them shit. You're feeding them and you're feeding them shit. 
And then you literally continue to market to them in their same communities as you feed them and as you pay them absolutely nothing and walk away with a good conscience. It's ridiculous. I mean, the fact that you can buy McDonald's meal for less than a can of Alpo dog food is pathetic. And I'm really, I'm really frustrated with processed foods in general. That just really angers me. What processed foods in retail and in food service, which is McDonald's and, but it's, 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 it's pathetic what they're playing on and what they're doing and who they hire. And it seems their employees are actually their same demographic. And I think they just, it's, it's a professional screw job. I grew up in a very working class family. My dad was a carpenter. My mom was a bank teller. I grew up incredibly working class, but like you, my dad put good steak on the table. Okay. My mom, you know, she shopped. We went to bashes in Arizona. We bargain shop. We use coupons, but we never had fast food because it just to us it was like, why? It just didn't happen. You know, my mom made beans and rice, and we put steak on it. it, it it's just I get so frustrated when I go into because I go to Philadelphia a lot, like you said, and I go to Fishtown and I go to these areas, and I see lines of people going into these fast food restaurants, mm-hmm. and what they're really getting isn't a meal or nutrition. It's a quick fix, and they're buying it from their sister or their brother, the cousin that's working there, making fuck all an hour, and it pisses me off. Yeah. No, it's very frustrating. Sorry for the foul language. No, it's okay. We're, I use it. We, we, what we, it's a vicious cycle. And you see it in communities that need healthy food the most are food deserts. And then what you see is just every fast food restaurant. And that is what's affordable because it's infinitely more affordable for them to go get a meal at McDonald's than to go shop at Whole Foods. So impossible. And, and it's impossible. So how do you tell a guy that's literally come off a subway shift at 11 p.m. at night, he's jumping on the train and he's starving. He spends his seven bucks on a you know hamburger and a shake to go home to get up to work at the grocery store in the morning. How do you tell him you can't do that? No, they yeah. they they found the cycle and they play on it, and it's it's sorry. really yeah, it's it's a problem, and, and and a big part of it is political, and the agricultural industry is huge. And you you had mentioned that even what should be the entire agricultural industry is really just big meat. That's all it is. Right. Like that's the whole thing. And and I'm going to push back on here goes this idea that without processed foods, most people would starve. Well, the truth of the matter is, but the truth of the matter is we don't have the basic, the, the basic elements of what could allow people to survive. We don't have community gardens, which could be everywhere, quite frankly. Yep. You know, you want to have organic fruits and vegetables. You want to have composting, horticulture, bee colonies. We don't even have mandatory rooftop solar and we live in yeah. Florida. Like to me, the solutions are there, but it's kind of like when people get so fixated on Trump, when in reality, that derangement. Is, it's derangement. It's derangement. It is. Because he's so far from the real problem here. Like anyone who thinks that Such Trump is, well, it's again, it's like, you know what, for somebody who's in your line of work, Scott, the idea that somebody thinks that Trump is more dangerous than Bill Gates is not paying attention. <laughs> right, that's hilarious. Like it's just not paying attention. Like you're completely asleep at the wheel. If the Bill problem Gates- The problem is how we got Trump. Not that we got Thank Trump. You. Right. The problem is what caused the populist movement to say, freaking give us anybody. Yeah. Give us because anybody I can tell you this. the answer. It's very easy. Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton is what everyone looked at and said, hell no. And that is what happened. 
Literally, that's what happened. And when everybody goes back and talks about, well, Hillary got more votes, I I try to tell people all the time, do you understand that Hillary spent almost more than a billion dollars? Most expensive campaign in the world. That No, no, more than a billion than Trump spent. It was like, if you really, if you wanted this, like if this was an even election in terms of money being spent, Trump would have blew her away. Like it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been. There's no question. And and I don't want to get into the 81 million votes for Biden. We'll talk about that. No, but, I think but, what, but, I, what I will say is that if you want to talk about nutrition and health and you want to talk about local gardens, I, I you're going to see I, I'm going to make some predictions here. We can check it. We'll check back in in March of next. OK, year. so right now, the USDA is requiring certain size, large gardens, whether it's a community garden or a personal garden. If it's over a certain square footage, you have to register the garden with the USDA. I want you to check on that. This is real. The um, USDA is now requiring you register your garden. My grandma, who lives in Prescott, Arizona, who is freaking 90, gardens, tomatoes, and jalapenos, because of the size, they're going to want her to register her garden. Absurd. It's just control. Okay, I mean, That's it right there. It really the second is. thing that's going to happen is beef prices are going to go through the freaking roof. You talked about this a little bit. Not everyone can afford a $100 steak. I, I think when, when this recession finally catches up to us and kicks in by March of 2023, you're going to see ground beef at ribeye prices around $10 a pound. And I think you're going to see tenderloin filet mignon around $100, $109 a pound. And I think this is going to be shocking. And what's going to happen is it's not going to be that like people like me that I can, I can buy a $60 steak. Okay. I can, um, I'm, but I'm not going to buy a hundred dollar steak. I'm not stupid. I'm not gluttonous, but people that have been buying burgers for $3.99 and $4.99, they don't have 10 bucks a pound. And a pound of meat's not a lot. You can't feed four people on a pound of meat. You you try cooking up, take a cube, take a brick of ground beef. It's everywhere. Cube it in fours, quarter pounders. Cook it. It's nothing. It's like a sprinkle on a nachos. You can't feed anymore with that. So beef is going to kill itself through pricing and the recession. It's going to price itself out of the market. And I think people are going to be looking at alternatives. And it's not Bill Gates, Frankenmeat. It's not processed meat. It's not. It's, that's you. not the alternative. Talk about your new business then. Like, what is that that you're doing that's plant-based? Yeah, it's so it's really cool. So, so I, I started, I bought a chocolate company at Martha's Vineyard about three years ago called how Not do, Your... How do you get... How do, you how get, do I not how do, know that? How do you like, get that's that? freaking crazy. I never had any real interest in going to Martha's Vineyard. And All now right, so you here, just all said right, chocolate. All right. So if Jennifer... How runs, did I not so, know so, this? So if, so if Jennifer runs for office again, you'll have to host her, like uh, host like a chocolate... No, you'll have to host like a chocolate party. Like, I, I that's have what no have idea. Okay. I like you more now. All right. I didn't know there was chocolate. All 11 progressives on the vineyard uh, I live in my neighborhood. So, <laughs> so um, anyhow, uh, so I bought this company. It's, it's, it's raw cacao, vegan, uh, you know, paleo, gluten-free chocolate. There's no dairy. There's no artificial sweetener. There's no sugar. It's, it's not even cooked. It's, it's ground raw cacao. It's amazing. It's a superfood. It's really good for you. Like if you're hungry, you have a little square of this. It's like, it's, it's satisfying. It's a probiotic, but it's not gonna you know evacuate you it's good for you um so we, we create we have this chocolate company called not your sugar mamas and uh, a woman named kai keen and i she founded it i bought it helped her out and then i'm like we need some other skews we need some other what do you want to do she's a vegan and i'm a, i own a beef company so it's like we're 
Perfect marriage. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, what should we do? She's like, well, I make this kind of plant-based cheese in my in my kitchen. And I, well, let's try it. So what she does is she takes, we, we, we developed this. Now it's commercial. Now we're in Whole Foods. It's like, it's huge. Um, I wish I had some samples. It's cashew based. And you basically okay. take cashews and you boil them. Uh, and then you, it gets all the, anything, you know, negative out of there, any bacteria out of there. Then you emulsify them through a, this, this grinder. And then you turn it, it's like a hummus. You turn it into a paste and then you turn it into a puck, like a hockey puck. You add a white penicillin mold bacteria, which is called a culture. Uh, we put in a Cambria, which is another aging uh, thing. And we age it for 14 days and it tastes like the real thing. It tastes like brie, like creme. It tastes like blue cheese, it's got the fl- it's unbelievable. It's rich and strong. It's unbelievable. So I started this thing, and all of a sudden, Whole Foods jumped on it. It's going to Whole Foods, going five thousand units a week. It's flying out the door, and I'm making it at a place in Lincoln, Rhode Island, uh, called Wild Tree, which doesn't exist anymore. And they call me. They're like, "Hey, uh, we got some bad news for you." I'm like, "What's up?" Like, "Well, we we're going out of business." I'm like, "No, I just got a I just got a Whole Foods contract for a year." <laughs> And I have a Trader Joe's private label agreement that you're not, you know. So I basically did some research, found out who owned it, and I jumped in and I bought the business. Uh, it just closed last Thursday, the 23rd. It's a 140,000 square, 146,000 square foot facility in Lincoln, Rhode Island. And we make everything. I changed the name to Plants to Food. We turn plants into food. And basically, we take anything. We make avocado mayonnaise. We make marinara's salad dressings uh we do a hard-boiled egg that's coconut based i mean anything that's plant-based we can make whether it's cheese chocolate and it's the it's the largest single facility to make plant-based foods for uh you know for any company that's got a that's got a that's got a product or a brand and uh, i'm really excited about it uh i uh literally haven't even put up a website yet uh it's it, i spent a ridiculous amount of money on it uh, but we are in about 50% of American grocery stores. And it's, it's literally a low food plants to food, plants to food. Yeah. There should be a link to the account someday. You're also in, you're in a Trader Joe's, but just not under that name. Uh, Well, we're in, we're in whole foods under our name happiest, which is my cheese company. Uh, We are in uh, Sam's club, Walmart, Costco with Avenais, which is an avocado mayonnaise. We're in, we have 44 SKUs and it's going great. I'm really excited about it. It's not just from the business. It's not just the business perspective is that we are only doing like five to six ingredients. Like if you've got more than seven ingredients, we got to have a conversation. So low ingredient, long shelf life, affordable plant-based foods. That's the, that's the goal. So I don't want to be, yeah. I don't want to be the guy selling a $20 piece of, I want to be like nine bucks and it's good for you. So I'm excited about it. And, uh, I still own the beef company and I have a charcuterie business in Denver and I got a lot going on, but uh, this is, I I believe as we all transition to not all, but more of a plant-based lifestyle that there's going to be a role for some processed foods, but it's got to be low ingredients and it's got to be something that's good for you. Like if I eat my cheese, I I, I can eat a brick of my cheese in 20 minutes with a box of Triscuits, but it's like eating a handful of, of cashews. It's not unhealthy. It's not bad for your stomach. So I, I would definitely That's say, amazing. and, and it, it's killing me right now because I was at. Um, it's amazing to have plant-based uh, meat on, but on the other, it's sort was, of like uh, playing both parties. There was a fantastic vegan restaurant that I had the chance to go to that was in Providence, um, and it's Plant it's, City. That's it. Oh my That's god. That's it. Oh my god. And, uh, oh, you're good, man. It's, it's owned <laughs> by a woman. It's owned by a woman named Kim Anderson, and she's genius. 
And she set me up. She, I said, this is what I want to do. And she put out her LinkedIn stuff. She, this woman is brilliant. Uh, she's one of my business uh, heroes. And that is one of the most uh, amazing uh, restaurants. It is ba- picture Italy, Italy. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. plant-based. I That's had, awesome. I, I don't remember. That's awesome. I don't remember everything that I had, but I would just tell you that some, as an example of non-processed, but just something that if you're really creative in the kitchen, you can make it great. Basically, buffalo cauliflower bites. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. <laughs> Phenomenal. You don't right. have to eat chicken. Just eat that. Trust me. It, it's going to taste a little different, but it's pretty freaking awesome. I don't so crave I, I'm actually throwing a party on Sunday at the at the facility, at my plant, at my plants to food facility, uh, with um, Susie Cameron and her group, which is called One Meal a Day, and Plant City's catering it. And I'm really excited because it's like not only my one of my favorite plant-based food, it's one of my favorite restaurants. That's awesome. It, there's one in are you in Philly a lot? I am from my, my father lives uh, by the Jersey Shore in a town called. Have Ocean you been to Ford. Veg? I have not been to Veg. I know of it. I have not been there. Wow! Really? Wow! Okay. Wow! Like probably my top three restaurants in the country. <laughs> oh wow. my! This kid, This has been wow. one of the great shows. I'm tonight. very my, pleased. So one of my very best friends. When Veg is off the charts. This yeah. is your friend Dom. One of my best friends in the world who lives in North Jersey. He lives uh, just outside of Morristown. Um, how come it make you never cauliflower bites? I mean, this guy is this. You know, he comes from a Sicilian family. So yeah. you're talking about uh, everything is all about like you know. It, it, got it. Got it. Got it. Get him not beat it. But the idea that people are willing to try, that yeah. they're willing to give these things a try, and as you said. And it's very true. There is a huge difference between eating vegan like you would at a place like Plant City and eating something like what you're going to get in a Beyond Meat. That's not real food. Franken food. Franken food. You, I don't. You might that. as well have a Twinkie. If I, you, you would be at the same nutritional value as taking a take take an Oreo, deep fry and batter it. It's the same nutritional as the Beyond. I Meat. love a deep fried battered Oreo. <laughs> Do and not be teasing me with a good time, man. I love but it. But all I'm trying to say is that it's still vegan. Yeah. Well, right. you are you are justifying a very large portion of my diet. You are one of the I'll just truly, I'll look, I'm better off just eating a deep fried Oreo. You are definitely you are not you are not just um <clears throat> and thank you for being such an amazing supporter of Janet Mental. No, I'm happy to. I hope you run again, Jen. I want to help. Yeah. Well, listen, if she does run again, she'll definitely be. Uh, I think the country is really. I'll call you on a Thursday night. There, you, you almost get the you almost get the sense. And, and you know this, Scott, and I've got one last question to ask, but you almost get the sense that the country is on the verge of turning a corner. Everything is. The night is close. Always, I yeah, totally agree. The night is always darkest before yeah. the dawn. People yeah. have to remember that when it seems really bad. It's like the dam is going to break. And you mentioned the spring of 23. Do you feel that we're heading towards almost like a uh, apocalypse? Like, like, no, like like it, like an iceberg. Like, do you feel that yeah, we're yeah, getting yeah. to that point where people yeah. are going to put their hands up and say, I can't take this shit anymore? I think it's I think it's going to be a little more subtle than a, than a big iceberg. There's not going to be a big you know, explosion or a bounce. I think what you saw like in Italy, where a populist was just elected massively. Yeah. Uh, and I think in Norway too, or was it, or was it, or was it in the Netherlands? Um, I think that you're going to see people just saying, right, we've had enough. All right. Let's just, let's just, we don't hate each other as much as you want us to think we hate each other. We actually kind of are, are fine with, you know, my two best friends are a lesbian married couple from Philadelphia and, uh, we have shit in common, but we love each other. 
And I think that, you know, I think the, the, the countries really, I think we're going to desensitize ourselves to the oversensitivity. And I think we're going to see people just decide I, I've really had enough, but the economy is going to drive that. I do believe there's going to be a crash uh, in, in agriculture. I, I know supply chain. I know what it takes to feed an animal. And I've never seen what I'm seeing today. I know what it takes to put chickens on the market, poultry on the market. I know what it takes to shift food. I, you know, three years ago, th- three years ago, I could ship a full semi load, 42,000 pounds from Swedesboro, New Jersey to Los Angeles for 2,800 bucks. That same route today is $10,000. Jesus Christ. It's not going to last. It's not going to last. Oh. There will, it's going to have to pop. So uh, that's, that's, that's my thoughts. And I don't want to be an alarmist, but I, we got to live in reality. And, and I think we need a, we need a, we need a reset, just not the great reset. Um, and I think that uh, Jen, you know, it, 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 to quote my British friends, if you don't run again, uh, you know, it'd be rude not to. Oh, that's so nice. We're thinking about 24. I, I actually, this year, we were being redistricted. Yeah. And in order to have run this year, we would have to be running a camp, a grassroots campaign in a district that we don't know the boundaries to. I think you should let everything reset. I think you should let the, just, just, I think you're in a great position to wait, see what happens. And when you're ready to go and you know, you know what the district looks like and we see what the economy does, what interest rate does, what the supply chain does, we see what this stupid war that's got to end like tomorrow. You know, my, my biggest thing is I'm incredibly anti-war in general. I hate. Yeah. We intervention. Are. I liber- I hate libertarians and progressives. This is another major <laughs> issue that they Interventionalist wars. Wars in general are just pathetic. They're, well, what strikes me the worst is I'm going to get back to Jen in a second. There's no attempt at diplomacy right now. They're not even trying to talk. No. That's where you know it's bull. That's where you know it's money. And it's Sorry, there's profit to be had, way baby. Too way too, we much, too money. much money. And now we're going to prove another $12 billion. Another $12 billion. It's like everybody who looks at this and doesn't realize that the only re- – again, you can say that NATO was the main impetus for Putin to do what he did. The rich natural resources that are in West Ukraine – Putin wants it and we want it. And that is and that is it. It's like so, every war is fought over money and resources. I'll, 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 I'll turn this personal. So my, my I'm engaged. My fiance is Ukrainian. Mm-hmm. Uh, she her name is Katerina Kostyochenko. I got I got her mom out right after the war started. She's in uh, uh, Strasbourg, France. Uh, her father's still there in a town called Coriston. And um uh, there's no question we're all after the same thing. We're after the territory. We're not after the positioning of missiles. We're not after NATO. We're after grain, oil, and natural gas. We're after all the same things we go into Central America and South America for. And it's absolutely, you can see where they've put troops. You can see where they've put defense. It's not around people and hospitals. No. No. It's around freaking natural resources. And uh, it, it's that my, my girlfriend's in, she's in the U.S. She's in college at Arizona State. She's uh, she's going to uh, law school. She's going to be a lawyer here in May and uh, very smart, speaks seven languages, incredibly intelligent. Um, and it's hard. You know, every day she basically uh, talks to her parents till two or three in the morning and, and hearing them talk about the confusion and the sadness and the TV and the media and the YouTube and what's real. And they all know it's grain, it's natural gas and it's Western resources. Yep. And it's, it's sad. It's sad. 
It is. And yep. yet, even after all these years, people are still hoodwinked by corporate media. Well, that's all they get if they don't. You have to really seek out other information if you want it. But, but, but if, that's if, not. If, look, here's freedom. Here's freedom in America. OK, here's freedom. All right. I don't really care if you want to put a chip in my finger. I don't really care if you want to track my phone. I don't really care if I have to get a shot. As long as I've got Netflix and Applebee gift card, and I've got all the shit I need to be happy in my little world with sports, and I've got right. Saturday college, so I got Sunday pro football, and I, I'm good. That's freedom. Just give me my shit and leave me alone. Yeah. And I, I have a thousand dollar cell phone. I'm fine. Leave me alone. That's yeah. freedom. Yeah. And that's where we've confused individual rights and true thought with what freedom is. Right. I appreciate you so much coming on. And and if and when we do run again, I will definitely be calling you. I am sorry to stream on and I appreciate you. And I think you run a great race and it's great to meet both of you. And I, I'm just honored you guys had me on. Oh, and, thank you so much. And I, and, I will, and I will say this, of all the places for somebody as financially successful as you, of all the places that you've picked to live in the country, um, you live in the dream world of the liberals in Martha's Vineyard. Seriously. And you live in the dream world of conservatives <laughs> in Scottsdale. So, so I'll, say, I'll say this real quick. I, yeah. I grew up in Arizona. I was born yeah. and raised. I'm from Phoenix. I moved to uh, Martha's Vineyard 21 years ago and fell in love with the community, not the politics. And uh, I'm able to look through that stuff. So I, I'm, a very I'm a very, very fortunate person. Thank you, guys. Well, if, if Thanks, what happened Scott. recently is any indication, it is absolutely <laughs> about the people and not. I can't wait for you guys to come to the chocolate fundraiser. Thanks, Thank Scott. you, Scott. Have a great night. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, was he? Oh, he's lovely. But I, I knew, I'm telling you, I randomly cold called him when I was fundraising and he answered his phone and it was kind of weird. And I, and I get off the phone with him and I'm like, that's interesting. So I just look him up and I'm like, oh, he just happens to be the owner of the largest beef, largest grass-fed beef pr production company or whatever cattle in the, in the country. I also want to give a shout out to our chat. You guys have been, I mean, we've gotten to about 25 viewers at once tonight. Again, not, you know, obviously we'd love to have hundreds of viewers, but you guys have been fantastic. You guys have really kept it lively. I'm sure it's helped bring in some additional uh, people to the chat. I've noticed a lot of very positive comments regarding Scott and him being in it. That's one of the better interviews. Well, we've you know, and um, look, we generally, I, I mean, I think for the most part, people in our chat are reasonable people yeah, and they I wouldn't be watching that. our show. Um, there was one guy who I think was probably coming from Osiris' show who earlier was like, yeah, you guys don't know what the hell you're talking about. I'm out. I'm like, okay, All whatever. Right. You can't, yeah, there he is. Duh, like you expected anything else. The privileged delusion, just like red hands aren't on that methane pipeline that suddenly bursts. Nice talk. Well, this is somebody who ref I think referred to me as a commie. This is the guy who called you a commie? I think back in, yeah, it was something about red hands Ugh. aren't on that methane pipeline. Like he's, he's you just can't get You can't get everybody, ladies They're and just gentlemen. They're just anti-Russia. You can't get you can't get everybody. I, I don't have a problem with Russia. My family's Once Russian. Once you see through... My, my great-grandparents came from, the, from Russia. Once you see through the mass delusion, there's just no going back. And what... Uh, he definitely knows a lot about meat. That is for sure. <laughs> I mean... He knows a lot about me. Dom, when I am swimming in money, I'm going to get you a very nice Christmas present that's going to involve one of the prime meat steaks that I can get 
from Mr. Lively. He, he maybe he'll give me that as a Christmas present. You never I'll know. I'll probably send you meat. Maybe you want meat? Would. You want a box of meat? <laughs> yeah, well, you don't like this whole joke about those Omaha steaks. You know, the reality is, if you want a it's all one if you want a Kansas City thing. ribeye or whatever, I mean, honestly, that's probably where most of them come uh, are coming from. But you know, we we started the show with a very important discussion, and we'll close with it. You know, the big reason why it's such a significant deal that they're not bringing the ban stock trading by Congress to the floor. The reason this is such a big deal is because the country's already cratering as it is. We're already in a very bad place. And what the so-called leaders, even though there really are- I'm ser- tired of that. Even though there are servants. They are our servants. They don't, they don't work for us. They're not leaders. They're they supposed work- to be representatives. Now, one would say, well, this is just what corporate special interests want. No, this is actually a bill where you can directly point the finger at our representatives who see this as a free lunch. Well, it is. But let's also be clear that even if they voted on it, apparently, again, that it's written in such a way that it has no real teeth. But again, so even if they voted, they don't even want you to see that they that what their vote would be on it, even though even if they voted for it, it really wouldn't impact them very much. But again, here, huge loophole. Herein lies the rub. Even if that were the case, even if it was a shit bill, kind of like. Uh, you know, the uh, infrastructure bill or the the Inflation Reduction Act bill. Most people have no clue what's in these bills. So even if they put forward a really crappy bill, say, hey, we're going to stop stock trading. Oh, by the way, all our family members are going to be able to do it for us. So it's not like it's going to stop. They're not even they don't even have enough political acumen to actually see that. Yeah, we probably should deal with this right now, especially for the midterms. This is a really big problem. A lot of people really don't like this. They would probably be a lot more supportive of that if they didn't have the Roe v. Wade thing right now. They'd have to find something. They'd have to give you something. But the idea that they're banking on Roe v. Wade to carry the day, that's dangerous. Yeah, but that's that's all they have. And and especially in a place like Florida where we don't have, we haven't had a ballot initiative yet or anything that's gone through and they're just waiting to see what happens. That's going to motivate a lot of women to come out and vote Democrat because they believe that that will help them in that regard. SG, thank you very much. That means a lot. Metaopoly, I'm going to tell you why you're wrong about Georgia Maloney, because the first thing that she's done as acting prime minister is to basically cut a really important uh, benefit package to the most disadvantaged people in society. It's like five. That's not populist. Yeah, that ain't populist. That's screwing working people. Some people are desperate and need help. And if your first course of action is to go after them and not, let's say, rich banksters in the European Union who are screwing over the citizens of Italy, that's not populism. No, that's. Again, I'm not going to say it's fascism. Well, no, she is. A fa- That's her affiliation. I don't understand why people are being difficult about it. When you call somebody like Thank DeSantis, you, Dom. Let, uh, let Dom ask. That'll be good. I'd love to hear what they have to say. Yeah. That'll be a lot. But and and they very well might be right wing and, and like authoritarianism or whatever it is. And I'm not saying one way or another. I'm just saying. She affiliates with a party that is fascist roots, fascist background, and they call themselves that. Like she also has strong nationalistic tendencies and is clearly in favor of corporate, you know, corporate actors. That is fascism. If you go back and and look at the history of the Third Reich and how it rose from, again, three, four percent party affiliation within the country of Germany at the time. Remember, a lot of the issues that are existing today, particularly inflation, immigration, uh, lack of economic opportunity. These are all the things that exist in parts of Europe as they do here in the States. And that's how these types of governments rise up. It's not because all of a sudden, oh yeah, that's definitely what I want. It's like, no, what you currently are offering sucks. I don't have any other choice. So I'm going to get what is most likely going to help at least, even if it's minimal in the interim. 
That's why things are so bad. Everyone wonders how we got Trump and how we're on the verge of potentially having DeSantis. It's like, if you can't see that the system is broken, that this isn't about saying, oh, this person's terrible and we have to vote again. No, 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 no. If your argument is that we have to vote against somebody, you've already lost. This one, Dems are bought out too and don't care about their voters. Yeah. We know. We say it all the time. Correct. They we know, know that. They're just as corporate. There is no difference in terms of who they answer to. It's not people. It's the corporations. We know that. Eric, you're wondering what I think of. I don't call them pro-life. They're anti-choice. Um, and what I think forced about anti- birthers. or forced birthers. Yeah. What I think about anti-choice women is what I think about anti-choice men. Um, they think that their personal religion, their sanctimony should dictate my body. And I think that's absurd. And I will not debate the issue with them any longer. I won't discuss it. I won't negotiate it. I don't like that they're discussing, well, maybe in this case, in rape and incest, get the hell out of here with that. My body, my choice. End of story. I think if I want an abortion in the eighth, in my eighth month, because I want one, which I, I wouldn't because that's not me, but that's none of anyone else's business except the person and their doctor. And by the way, doctors don't do that because you know what? It's not a thing. Late term abortions are only when it's necessary. Right. There are no doctors that just let you come in and decide to terminate your you pregnancy. Can't get a th- if you think you can get an, a, an abortion in the third trimester without some type of a significant health issue, it's it's illegal. Uh, when it w- At best in this country, there were only like two places in this country where you could get a third trimester abortion. Most places don't even have where you can get a second trimester abortion. And even places where abortion is legal, there are so few places that do it. So women that live in vulnerable communities haven't had access to it properly for years now. And to me, it's all ludicrous. It's our body. It's our choice. It's no one else's business. Hari, I want to give a shout out to Andrew Yang and the Forward Party. I saw the uh, forward party, uh, Utah forward party uh, meeting that they had the other day. Jen, they must have had like probably 70, 80 people at the meeting. Like that, that's, I mean, if you want to talk about, and again, we're talking about the early stages of trying to change the electoral narrative in the United States. We have been fully uh, in agreement regarding if there's going to be a third party movement in the United States, it's going to happen through the forward party. That's the most likely scenario. Metalopoly very well might be selfish. But that's my right. You can't pick and choose your civil liberties when you want to apply them or not. You want the Second Amendment? I want all the amendments. I understand that it is not something that's pleasant. I understand that, that if a woman has a baby and you don't like the idea of that baby getting killed, I get it. I don't like it. It's not something I think of as a good thing, but it's not my business what someone else does with their person. And quite honestly, we shouldn't even know. Why are we even having this discussion? Do you come out of the doctor's office when like when I get well, I actually do announce when I get a colonoscopy. But like the point is, like, I don't like what you do when you go to the doctor. You don't need to be discussing that. I don't need your opinion on how I handle other treatment. Why do I need your opinion on? I don't. I don't want it. Uh, Osiris, thanks again for having us on. You'll definitely be back. And again, here you can see. No. Yeah. You either have a body. Right. You can't negotiate. There's not being a little bit. There's laws in place already that prevent that type of behavior metaopoly that a lot of people on the right think is going on. It's not. Because again, we are given false information all the time. It's and not why? going on. Doctors don't do why that. Do we, and why do we give false? Why do we give false information? Well, it keeps us more, more polarized. Anytime there's divide and conquer opportunity, you'll take it. Because if we start agreeing on things, that's dangerous to the people who are destroying this country. That is the bottom line. Nobody likes abortion. Yeah. 
There's no Nobody such thing as that's why we can't use the term anti-abortion because that means that there's pro-abortion people and that's ridiculous. There are people that are for choice and there are people that are against choice. That's the only issue. None of us think that it's okay to kill people. SG, we don't think that. SG, I definitely agree. Andrew is not the long-term solution. And yes, he is funded by that, And that's a problem. But that but, is a problem. But what I will say, and you have to give credit where credit is due, getting 80 regular people to show up to a meeting about a third party movement. It's huge. That's huge. That is huge. And I will say this. If they focus on things like ranked choice voting and open primaries, and that's the stuff they're, I will get behind those initiatives. Sure. You know, going to join the forward. No, no. Well, it it isn't on the ballot. But the reality, but the reality is this. If we did have a third option, if there was a legitimate third option without a first past the post voting policy in the U.S., which does exist in a handful of states now, you've got to get on those ballot initiatives, guys. What you have to remember is simply this. As soon as there is something other than this or the other, there is a third, then that creates a completely different electoral dynamic in terms of being able to get your vote. And that's what it's about. It's just forcing their hand. It's forcing the Democrats to actually have a platform. Mm -hmm. They have nothing. All they can do is criticize. Fear. That's it. Well, and and they go after the Republicans. That's all they can do. Mm -hmm. And so. No, no, no. Yang is not a billionaire. He's just not. No, he's got money. He's he's, he's comfortable. But he's not not, not wealthy. No. Not even close. Not like that. Not. He lives a very normal. Well, normal in New York, which is definitely, I understand, not normal financially. Dom, 100% correct. Yeah, we've got a lot of problems here at home that we need to be dealing with and we're not dealing with them. And a lot of the homeless are veterans. Yeah. That is a huge problem. Yeah. We only like people to be fodder for our wars on their way over there. Once they come back, we couldn't care less about them. Guys, this has definitely been one of the better shows we've done in a while. The chat has been very lively. It's been great. We hope you will join us on Monday. We are going to have uh, Saru Jairan, uh, uh, she'll correct me for being a fool, you know, not being. But just say who she's with. Me. She is the president of One Fair Wage. They are focusing on pushing a national, not minimum wage, but a national living wage, meaning that the wage should not be the same in every place. No. And it's correct. It shouldn't. Because cost of living in San Francisco is a lot different than Fresno, just like it's a lot different in Fall Lauderdale as it would be in, let's say, Charlotte County, Florida. There is a huge difference between how these things are. And so having a national living wage, which again, what is the goal? Fiscal conservatism of those of you paying attention. Having a living wage means that you don't have to be on the government dole for subsidy. Like working at a Walmart or working at a Sam's Club or any of those corporations uh, for anything that is Amazon or Walmart connected. Their goal is to pay you so little and still get you to take the job. Um, McDonald's, McDonald's, by the way. When you go to work at McDonald's and you and fill Walmart, out, and Walmart, and you go to these places to to apply for jobs, they also give you the the forms for government for government for assistance. Welfare. Ain't that wonderful? They well, it's like the food stamps. Like when you go to work at those, they give you those forms with it because they know you're not going to make enough money to live. And the fact that the government and which again, who is the government? It's us. So we're subsidizing their workers and they're still making record profits. So their workers are getting paid by us, but yet they're making all the profit. This is why this is why we need to end right to work laws and we need to have stronger labor unions. Damn right.
Colinello, thank you for the support. You guys have all been great. Thank you so much. If you're not currently subscribed, make sure that you are. But as you know, it is the end of the show and we have to do one final plug. So of course, go to patreon.com forward slash generational change. If you are not currently a patron of our channel, patron, patron, whatever, we hope that you will consider for as little as $5 a month like getting a foot long at Subway, uh, will uh, definitely, yeah. Frank and meat. Frank and meat. Uh, well, not necessarily. <gasps> oh, I read that for the Actually, tuna yeah, wasn't mind, mind. tuna. The tuna wasn't tuna and the pink, su- yeah, I know. All right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> Put your money to better $5 use. $5 a month. Put your money to better use than going to get fast food this evening and support our channel. And why would they want to support our channel, Jen? Well, we do a lot of good things. Our money that comes in here goes towards local service, local organizations that we know are helping people at the on the ground level. And we also support non-corporate and or nonpartisan candidates. We are also very much involved with not, not just the non-corporate candidates, but non-corporate initiatives locally, whether it is community gardens, whether it is our wonderful, there are plenty of nonprofits out there, but one in particular, Um, And there will be others that we will obviously highlight, but we are huge supporters of Mobile School Pantry, an organization that really goes out of their way to help with organic fruits and vegetables, other healthy foods. Uh, They have a little bit of tasty treats here and there, but overall, very healthy You never eat that stuff. I I don't. I eat all the healthy stuff. I do. I eat all the junk. But for many of the (gasps) underserved communities throughout Broward County, Mobile School Pantry does a great job. We support their organization. And because of your support, we will be attending their no- just say no to hunger. Just say no to hunger cocktail party, which will be, uh, it's been rescheduled as a result of the hurricane. It's and we're to getting to go and support that organization October because 12th. of the money that comes mm-hmm. in from this. So that's what we use it for. We use it to local service. Yes. And for $10 a month, if you were to be a $10 a month patron, in addition to my Lulu sticker, which I don't have one sitting mm-hmm. here, but we have very cute Lulu stickers. They're big Lulu stickers. You get one of these. Which I know it's a very, very, I have a very strange sense of humor, but it amused me to no end because I figure if I'm going to be supporting somebody in the Democratic Party, it should be the people with the most power, which are apparently these people, because this is the reason we couldn't get things done. So if they're holding up everything, then we need to vote for them because they clearly yeah, have all the power. Jim. Well, apparently he doesn't have as much power because yeah. apparently Bernie was able to stick it to Manchin this week, and which is always a great thing. I mean, who could possibly complain about that? That's always great. And yeah, uh, I, you know, I don't know if it's possible, but you think maybe we were also getting more of a surge in the viewership based on the time? No, I, mean, I think there's so many variables trying to figure it out. It's so ridiculous. Like everything that we do is always a hey, different look, thing. If, we, if it was a just world, we'd probably have a couple of hundred people watching at any one time because I think our content is great. No, we do have good content and we have good guests. But again, we don't do this. For Emerald, you rock. We'll get one. Finally, the plugging works. And of course, if you are really, really super and considerate and really want to help our show, you could be a $25 a month patron. And that, of course, is reserved for only a couple of people as of right now. But that gets you a jersey. That gets you a jersey. Gets you this jersey. A little fancy jersey. And they're know? really comfortable and they're the soft tribe. Our shirts are too. We're very spoiled. If we ever have another campaign, we're definitely going with these nicer shirts. Yeah, the quality of them really makes a difference. It does. Well, I, I, well, and we also had tank tops, which was one. Well, of I'm not. And oh, yeah. I will not have a campaign without tank tops. Any woman who, well, I would have just cut all the sleeves off. Now, if you are so inclined to support our show, but you really don't want to give your credit card information for an 
automatic. You don't want to be renewed. You Correct. don't want to. You want to just. What you can do, which would be a big help, throw to us, us a cash app. Yeah, just go mm -hmm. to cash app. That is the easiest way to support the channel without having to be connected with your, with, you know, your personal information. As I know, a lot of libertarians really don't want that. So you can go to cash app dollar sign gen change to support our work and again yeah. this is not a show where we are drawing a salary no we this don't this is a show where we are we, really we try trying to help <laughs> we're really trying to help and we do try to you know we've got a lot of people that do volunteer to help us like mm. the people who help us with video work because we really don't have money for any sort of payroll and so we do from time to time like to throw money at the people that are helping us so we do, we do, do that and that's something that i really appreciate when people can help us out but as we as we alluded to earlier, this has been a really great show. Definitely one of our. Uh, can I just make it dirty? Come on, got, if you really want to support us, go to Cash App. Toss us a few bucks. You're Nailed a great a supporter. I think you know what the amount of money you'd spend having to send that five bucks here. You, you would save yourself. I don't time even know what a forever stamp costs now. Yeah, I don't either. I think well, don't ask. It probably that five dollars get lost in the mail anyway. Lord knows, you can't trust it anymore. But you guys have been wonderful. Uh, it's been a great show. Uh, definitely check out. What do we have coming up? We have from One, one, one Fair Wage. Yes. On Monday. And we'll get some more stuff on uh, the schedule. Uh, and the last thing we'll mention before we go is that the Deconstructing Zionism live stream that we're having on Saturday, October 15th, it is starting to come together. It's starting we've to come some, together. We've got some top people that have already committed to uh, coming on. So yeah, I, I still good. have a couple of panels to work on. And yeah, but I am very happy. And one of the people I can share that that has agreed to come on is Rabbi Brant Rosen. Mm. And if you guys are, you know, anybody who is interested in this topic, look him up and it's really impressive. So I'm very excited about that. Well, that means a lot. Uh, you know, and Eric, thank you for the offer. Uh, there may be opportunities again if you know you have a high-powered lens and can help with shooting. That's great. So again, thank you guys. Wonderful show. I really think we did good tonight. I think this is a good one. Um, Would you like a pat on the back? I do, because I because <laughs> I have very low self-esteem and I need to constantly be told how, how special to I am. I'm I'm special. I'm definitely special. Right, no, I'm just kidding. I'm totally uh, self-confident and that is not a problem. You're very special. But you guys, thank you again. Glad you enjoyed. Hit the subscribe button. Like, share, and comment as soon as we drop it. Appreciate your support. We'll see you Monday. Bye, all. Thanks for watching. If you want to support our mission to transform politics into service, please like this video, subscribe, follow us on social media, and consider joining our Patreon, where you'll get early access to our interviews as well as other exclusive content. Links are in the description. Peace out.